and greetings, ladies and gentle monsters. I am your host, Immortal Brando, and I'm joined here today from the people from the Infinite Morphin Syndicate. Uh, start from the top, uh, let's go with Black Shadow. Introduce yourself. Yep, howdy everyone. Hope you're all keeping fairly well. Um, before we get started here, I do want to uh, dedicate this podcast to uh, my close friend of 17 years, Craig, who uh, I went and did this series with on my channel with a couple of years or so ago, and he passed away on Monday at 30 years old, which was pretty oh. difficult to consume. Mm. Um, so it's been a rough one, um, but hopefully he uh, he hears this somewhere or another, and hopefully he's doing okay wherever the hell he is now. Yeah, sorry for your loss, man. Um, I guess, um, hey, Dava, <laughs> uh, introduce yourself. Sorry to ruin the oh. name, but yeah. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, man. Sorry about that, man. Sorry. <laughs> Bad news, man. Uh, yeah, hey, name's Deva. You can call me Rick if you want to. Um, uh, primarily YouTuber slash, you know, Resident Evil content creator. And uh, thank you guys for having me. All right. All right. Uh, Max B, introduce yourself. Oh, hello. My name is Max Pinkova, also known as Lord Ectro. I'm a bit of a variety streamer. And yeah, it's an honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Uh, Silver Gaming Network, introduce yourself, good sir. Alrighty, hello again guys, Silver back, and this time for Chris Redfield's African Adventures. Gonna have fun with this, thanks for having me. <laughs> Alright, and last but not least, the legend himself, Mr. Morbin Operative. Introduce yourself, sir. Uh, I wanna just pound that boulder. Uh, how's it going, people? <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about the shenanigans in Africa with Chris Redfield, Sheva, and the gang, so hopefully it's gonna be a very fun time. Alright. To start things off, I read up number one. How did you formally get introduced into Resident Evil 5? What draws you to the game initially? Alright, mine's just kind of simple. Um, I just got it by chance from... I think it was GameStop or Amazon. I got the Gold Edition because you know, by then I got my PS3. The game was finished, right? But um, the, the starting phase was actually um, during middle school where kids were literally talking about who, who would be um, better, who would win the fight, yes, between Wesker and Chris. And that has been a big heated debate for a while, <laughs> even until I left. Uh, so yeah, that's how I got into uh, Resident Evil 5. Uh, my answer is pretty simple. It's, I basically saw that first initial trailer with Chris in Africa. I, I forget when they showed it. I think it was E3, uh, but he's walking. He had a different voice actor if you guys seen that trailer before and he's talking about how he's gonna see the situation through so a lot of hype because uh for one reason they were going back to the main storyline i already know that where there's chris there's wesker so that was one thing that captivated me to this game and another was the different locale and the setting and the fact that they're doing horror in daytime and i thought that was also pretty cool and the swarms of enemies like there were way more enemies on screen than in the initial game i'm talking like packs of them uh so i loved everything about that trailer i kept up with the news and then i saw they were updating with co-op and everything and i was very intrigued by that i was saying uh, i saw that initial trailer too i'm like this shit is actually pretty damn hype like this should actually just make another game based around just all that swarm again because honestly i think it's a missed opportunity that they didn't go with that granted though it could be technical limitations for the time you know it is the ps360 you know those things were mm -hmm. uh call of duty no. zombies problem but that's another discussion <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Oh, I, I imagine that. that was part of the reason why. But you go ahead, Dava. My apologies. No, it's all good, man. Like, uh, actually, I got introduced to it. Like, um, I remembered. I think it was Game Informer. We had like one of like the issues that showed a couple of uh, pictures and screenshots, whatever of it, right? And just picking up on um, piggybacking off of Ren, and uh, it was pretty much everything he just said. Like, you know, we got kind of smaller build, Chris Redfield. Uh, uh, the setting was in daytime, and I remember they said something about like dramatic horror. It was kind of, it was different, right? A little bit, and uh, and they even said that the setting itself, like the had like it could. How do you how do you say it? Like the sun could affect Chris in a certain way. I'm not sure if you guys could double check me on that, but he said like, um, if like if it was too much heat, it would affect Chris in some way. And as you guys said, like th there was a lot more enemies when they first showed it, and it looked absolutely beautiful. I was like, oh my goodness, this is Resident Evil 4, but on steroids, you know? I mean, no pun intended with Chris, but I mean, it looked absolutely amazing, and it, it did make you feel like Chris was helpless, right? Even though, you know, he's a little bit more jacked, but... A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, co compared to from Code Veronica from the last time we saw him, but I mean, yeah... Um, Code Veronica, we like a college freshman game. versus senior. Yeah, I mean he, I mean Code Veronica, he was still, I mean he was, you know, pretty good build, but then he became like a commando in his five. Then it was all in the arms. <laughs> yeah, Chris has always been a pretty bulky guy though, even since you know the original game. Yeah, if you actually look at his model, right? He's been bulky though, yeah. but five made it look oh, realistic. Five, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Modern day graphics tend to add a few things. Oh yeah, yeah. The, you know, dude, indeed. Um, else? Yeah, I was just gonna say, I first saw the trailer when I was in high school. The 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 trailer that all of us saw. I I assume the same one where you see him surrounded by a swarm of enemies and he's out in the sunlight. Mm. I saw that and I'd really enjoyed four previously because four was the game that I came in on and then I went back and then it was exciting to go forwards and try out five. So I am. Um, saw that trailer and i just with the daytime horror i know it was hit and miss some people loved it and others really didn't i saw all the the enemies surrounding chris in a daylight environment and i thought wow this is pretty sinister it's actually got quite a sinister vibe to it so i i picked it up in a, a used game store um a little while after it came out and um yeah took it for a spin and loved it so that's how i found it uh, for me, I I probably have played it the least. You guys are saying like watch the original trailer in high school. Um, I actually haven't didn't play any Resident Evil until like April last year, where I was doing a franchise series of just going down mainline games one, two, three, four, you know, all the way to now I'm on eight, just playing them all once through. And five was one of those games that everyone was like. Max, you're going to have a rough time with it. Shiva's not that good. This is such a down. Like a lot of people were like really down on five and six. And I was like, well, that's sad to hear, but you know what? Let's give it a chance. And I actually really enjoyed it. I didn't think Shiva's AI was bad at all. I didn't see the trailer you guys are talking about, but I do like... The The, the thing that comes to mind with that is, um, you know, the previous Resident Evil games, it's very, like, it's dark, it's cramped, it's crowded, you feel very isolated. While this is, like, daytime and open, I would almost call it more, like, apocalyptic as opposed to, like... Oh, the zombies are only in this house. We might be fine. But to see, like, the town swarming gave such a different feel to it, which I really appreciate. And then, yeah, the more over-the-top action. But you, you say that, and then you look at four, and you're like, is it really that over-the-top? But, yeah, that's how I got introduced to it. 
Oh, that's actually uh, a really good take what you just said about the especially the whole apocalyptic kind of feel to it you know kind of like a world war z kind of feel like it's, it's scaling because yeah. like you know in, in four you're like okay so it's just this village and then you get to another village another village here it's like uh i'm sorry to tell you this all of africa are now shooting spaghetti zombie wads or whatever that they're trying <laughs> to shove in your mouth <laughs> yeah it's pretty so much like a whole country versus a, you know, a yeah. small portion. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so pretty much kind of try to compensated from the lack of kind of crapness and claustrophobia with like a lot more swarm in a way mm-hmm. you know Sorry. that was a really good take that was wow, that's really really good it, it was especially so um the dlcs i know we're gonna talk about those later i forgot mm-hmm. to play them until yesterday so i was like oh god i missed these i was like going through them those dlcs really show that especially and i forget which one jill is in where it's just that's this and yeah this endless just swarm of guys and sure you got the sniper rifle you're kidding them like headshot 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 and then you turn to your right and there's like 10 more running at you it was really freaky but really fun Mm -hmm. i also have a side question before we move on sure it's gonna be real quick but uh since we talked about chris's altered physique in that trailer like uh did you guys like see all oh, the internet like going off and saying that he was on steroids and stuff like that and and did you think that this sort of changed to his physique like made sense uh well i mean it's uh the game kind of gave us a little bit more context as well like why chris is so buff because like you saw what happened when he fought against wesker right so he wasn't strong enough to even do anything Second time around, he's able to push him and do some damage to him, you know, <laughs> via gameplay, yeah. right? But the man is in the military, right? Realistically speaking, he's going to get jacked up considering the, the stuff he's be fighting. I mean, have you played Call of Veronica? I'm like, the man took a beating from West for straight. It wasn't even a fair fight. So, that and all the BOWs and whatnot, he had every right to be jacked up, right? And plus, you know, given the time um, frame, though, it's not unrealistic for him to get that um, jacked up because he's already a big guy as he was. Uh, I right. think it. I think it was like what several years after Cove Veronica. Uh, I think it was from 1998 to 2006, then 2009. So it's been a long, significant time for someone to get that jacked yeah. up to go against a superhuman enemy like Wesker. Yeah, but not in that though. You won't go by Kenny timeline though. 2001 was the last time you saw a. I think it was 2001. You saw a slim um Chris with umbrellas um in. Then fast forward mm-hmm. up to um Revelations, which was 2006, and then Lost Nightmares. You know, man was still pretty, was pretty jacked up. Uh, that's was pretty good enough was, time. He was 2009. I mean, the guy's arms put Hulk Hogan to shame. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I I would say it's totally reasonable. It's not like, oh look, there's Doom Guy or BJ from Wolfenstein. He's not built like a refrigerator. I'd say it's still in the realm of reason. Like you said, military training. He knows what he's going up against. So I wouldn't. Yeah, I've seen the jokes, but I think it's reasonable honestly yeah but his triceps had triceps so i mean it's like i'm sorry that he, i'm oh, sorry geez. that he walks in the room and demasculates all of us and makes us go God, i wish i need, <laughs> yeah, I need yeah, to that, go that, to that, the gym pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's pretty much how i looked at it man like god damn i want to get that built let's go <laughs> so real life i'm a dex build seed him a strength build i'm just like oh, god damn it oh. <laughs> feeling a bit left out yeah yeah, I just saw the whole thing really as more, as people were saying earlier, the progression of time. I thought to myself, yeah, it's been several years in the timeline, so a natural progression of time. However, however, I do have one gripe 
in regards to the whole Crispin built like a brick wall and um, something that you see in the game. So, we're, I, mean, we're I very... guess that boulder wasn't going to punch itself. So, I, I was about to mention that, right? This man can literally yeet a boulder into lava, yet he punches those chainsaw dudes in the game. <laughs> And they barely flinch. What are those motherfuckers made of? Suspension of disbelief. Morbium. That's what he made See, I, I took it like he was hearing his theme song at the end. He's like, now's the time! And just was going <laughs> into it while the chainsaw guys was a lot of like, oh, God, shit, the, the blades. Uh, yeah. In defense of that, though, like, barring that is gameplay of entry, he was building up momentum with that boulder, right? So it wasn't like he, you know, punched a chainsaw guy repeatedly while the same amount of force, right? Because that wouldn't be feasible. You could kill like him. builds up to like dunk dunk. Da, 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 da. Like, oh, yeah, man. right. Like, I mentioned yeah. a meter on the side as he was like, you no, know, punching that bowler. He was playing like... Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, and he was just getting exactly. that combo. I would yeah. like to throw out that we are trying to rationalize a human being punching a twelve foot long and wide boulder into lava. It's, it's fine. No, but here in the Chris's defense, though, in, in that first trailer, though, I remember there was one little portion where he actually punched the crowd of those like Magini people, and he was able to at least knock back at least what like four or five of them. So a little bit more than that, honestly. Yeah, a little bit. So I mean, it is pretty far fetched from regular humans to punching a boulder. I mean, but yeah, that's Chris for you, man. I mean, in fairness, though, it is possible for us to push a boulder. Like we have the manpower to do it, right? But no. Chris is built different. That's all we need to know. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm just going to say that is the funniest moment in the game. And I'm going to save that for the last question because I have a lot to say about that. It was so hype. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I knew it was coming, but then when it came out, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right. I guess we can move on to number two then. Um, hey, Ren, read that all. Okay. Give me one second because I have to go to the dock. Okay. Since this is a sequel to Resident Evil 4, do you think that the general gameplay has improved or regressed with this entry? I would say improved, honestly. Like, bar none, yeah, like, it, give it... It depends, doesn't it? Like, objectively, it's an improvement. The Everwilderon's motions is a bit smoother. How you control feels a little bit more kind of, to me, is a little less awkward. RE4's control scheme always felt a little bit, a little bit stifled to me. Um, yeah, I never still. found I never found movement in that game particularly easy. It was always kind of a bit, bit stilted. Um, I mean, the fact that you can at least kind of sort of ish, it just felt a little bit smoother in RE5. Well, obviously, people's uh, subjective opinions will heavily affect that. Uh, my apologies. Real quick though, four is everybody's love child. I know that's why you know, like you said, subjectively people would disagree with that. But come on, like you guys just sit down and play the game though. Five. Yeah, like I said, improve everything, like parts of movement, you know, the aiming, and all that stuff. But not only that, though, it added more tools for the characters. Like, you could go behind them after you stagger and insta-kill them. But at the risk of um, popping out a, um, a plaga also, stuff like that. Head stomp on the ground would also prevent yeah, the plaga from coming out. With RE4, yeah, like, they um, just randomly popped up and you didn't know how to contain them or anything unless you had, like, a flash grenade or something. Mm. Yeah, like the tools, you know, the gameplay loop, though, is more in favor of the player now because there's so much more options how you can approach things. Whereas in RE4, it's usually the same thing where you got to move away, bang, 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 throw a flashbang, and move forward, you know? Well, the question I want to ask was like, 
because it's obviously you guys have played a lot more than I have, and for me, a lot of it is kind of a meshed blur. In terms of like soul mechanics, RE4 doesn't. Well, like, let me rephrase. RE5 doesn't add that much more solely mechanically, right? Like, okay, your inventory system is different, the environment is different, but, like, there isn't a... Besides those combo attacks, would you say there are, like, any specific things that this game added blank? Yeah, like, from 4, I mean, if we're gonna... We're talking about, like, just general gameplay, right? I'm assuming so. Right, base mechanics. Okay, I mean, Mm -hmm. if... So I'm going to include, you know, the partner system with this, right? right. We had Ashley in RE4. I mean, Sheva's a, a huge upgrade from Ashley, I feel like. I mean, she, yeah, I mean, sometimes I did relegate her to just, like, you know, giving me healing items here and there, you know? But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll take her any day over Ashley. Yeah, she I does mean, something versus yeah. Ashley, who just... I love that. gets you killed. I was looking at the question and, like, trying to think of it as, like, what gameplay was really added. I was like, well, the same base fighting is the same, except, yeah, I think you guys make a perfect point. Like, what's the upgrade? Shiva, you got a buddy system now. Yeah. And, like, what you could do and get away with, you know, especially when you're playing co-op, I think is, like, the one big upgrade. It's largely tweaks under the hood, I think, a lot of it. Yeah. Really. A lot of small things. You're not really going to notice, but adds in. Um, Five does make an effort of trying to make the game a bit more environmental. Um, and that you're kind of using what's around you, not just like have a gun, upgrade it, shoot dudes. You know, there's mm. um, you know, boss fights, especially, you know, whether it's the initial fight using the furnace, whether you're um, taking on Urobrost later on, you've got to you fe- uh, bet- blah, 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 blah. start again, um, get together like your uh, your flamethrower and use that. Uh, the Wesker fights later on, stuff like that. You know, it's it's largely under the hood tweaks. Um, and stuff that you're not really going to pay attention to notice. Um, but I think it all adds up generally. That That's the one notable thing I would say, though, is like environmental stuff. Um, you know, I, using oh. barrels and, you know, bits and pieces, stuff like that. Oh, sorry, real quick, though. Like, is it like the same line think of, like, going from Resident Evil 1 to Resident Evil 2? Like, what does Resident Evil 2 generally approve upon that makes it better than 1, right? So you can use the same line thinking for that. And we can also go on a list of like German improvements that just makes the game the quality of life, the sandbox much better in contrast to its predecessor. In this case, Resident Evil 5, again, you have more tools and like Shadow Set, environments, whatever. You have more options to deal with stuff in contrast to Resident Evil 4. I, I do feel like an observation. I'm curious to see if any of you guys agree. I did feel like that the game was a bit more lacking in ammo comparatively to 4, but. I also feel like that the the combat system, the melee attacking system, was implemented in such a way where it can act in the place of lacking ammo. And I, I greatly enjoyed the... One of the biggest parts of playing the game for me was the combat system and still is the hand-to-hand combat system. There's nothing more gratifying for me than watching Chris Redfield just punch a dude into a wall and send like loads of guys around him flying so. uh, actually, i actually agree with you on that one though because we'll start so you have a smaller inventory so yeah realistically you're going to have like less ammo than usual compared to like c4 mm-hmm. but at the melee though is definitely a lot stronger because you no know, you can party kill up to three guys at once you know more often than not in contrast to four at least in my you know anecdotal evidence of it yeah that that was something i was going to bring up of um I've said this a bunch of like my biggest enemy and I know it's a core mechanic in Resident Evil is inventory management. It's like it's a hallmark of the game. Yeah, but it's a part I like the least and I felt like I really I really hit that in 5. 
as opposed to four. And the times where it's like, okay, so Shiva can hand you stuff and you can hand her stuff. Great. When you're getting killed by that one was scorpion fly boss, whatever that thing was called. And like, you're trying to be like, okay, you need the pistol ammo and I need the sun machine. You know, like that kind of a thing. Those parts got annoying. But um, I definitely get that, you know, with two people, two people firing guns, it needed that kind of system. And yeah, the, the melee combat really did pull through in a lot of situations. Uh, you know what, since we're talking about the inventory system, I mean, can we talk about a little bit uh, about from transitioning from the merchant from RE4 to just actually like an in-game menu in between hold, like chapters? Hold on, before like we... that affected the overall gameplay? Yeah, before we uh, touch on that real quick, I just wanted to add on to one point. Uh, I don't think we brought up the fact that there's also uh different melee combinations so there is a situation where you could do like a strong melee attack that will do the most damage like chris will make some noise like he's angry and ready to go and then he does like a backhand or something and that will also do a lot of damage to the enemies so that added in a lot more variety to the quick time events and the QTs in the game because once again your partner can also like do this push and pull system where Sheva hits someone then Chris will hit someone and then she'll do like a hyper finisher and uh that will be a strategy in the game and they sort of like uh try to do some more of that in RE6 but that's another podcast for another day but I do appreciate that they actually took the time to make it fleshed out a little bit more than usual it, you actually reminded me of something actually um yeah this is not technically possible by any means though but um when you fight jill uh if for some somehow if you um enabled the command for chris to do a straight punch that would actually one shot her oh really <laughs> so yeah so like emotionally uh, me- you just knock her out <laughs> yeah so like no the melee is really strong though and for chris in particular though like yeah he can actually one shot jill not sure because she has really low health which would make sense given how to fight this but yeah, like <laughs> you don't want to be on the other end of that bunch. So this is a mechanic question, and this might be like my PC master race kicking in a little bit. Okay, so depending on the difficulty you guys are playing on, how fast did you have to respond to the quick time events? Because is it just a PC thing that it's like insanely fast, or am I just really terrible? across yeah. the board? No. It's I, 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 it, doesn't really ch- it doesn't really change the difficulty, like. I think Resident Evil 4, I always had the impression that it was slightly sharper timing, some of it, if you're playing on, like, professional. Uh, I always think back to, like, the other crowds and I've seen, when I first played mm-hmm. on professional, it took me forever to get through that. I just felt really, like, really, like, you would just had to almost guess what was going on, but 5 was pretty, pretty standard across the board. Because well, I was, um, when I was going up against Wesker in the DLCs, like, I was really reminded of that. It's like, you have almost a quarter of a second to do f or v and if you get the wrong one he just like instant kills you oh when he does he charges that, he, he does yeah, that yeah he, he charges just, that he rips out your heart calling yeah, no, no, i'm just like what the f- yeah, why no, that that attack is you have to guess that it's just the case for all of them you're kind of the idea is you're meant to like get hit by that so your partner kind of helps you out that's kind of that's kind of how it's designed so right. if you uh, guess right oh. then great the other fight, I just know. got it. It was the U8, the the giant bug on the platform, and when they did, like, the big guillotine move kind of a thing. I remember that was another one where it's like, good luck, and if you didn't get it, you'd just be killed instantly. I yeah. did struggle with um, the QTEs in 5 comparatively to full, full disclosure. I have, um, I have a muscular condition, so my hand reaction times are a fair bit slower. I, I, man- I managed them reasonably well in four, 
But as somebody who has that issue, in five, I thought they were a lot quicker. And for somebody in my position, actually pretty tricky to pull off, even on a reasonable difficulty. So just an observation, but I do have a bias attached there. Maybe it's just me. Real quick, Ren, I'm sorry. I don't disagree with that notion, though. The quick time events are certainly fast. But it was like that in Resident Evil 4 as well, in the GameCube and PS2, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody who was experiencing it. And I think they actually toned it down a bit with the um, HD versions. Instead of just having random buttons, though, they just have, like, preset button presses. Right, I, I couldn't remember if it was, like, specific to either game or if it was, like, a PC thing of instead of counting seconds, we count frames per second. And if you make, you know, if you have 60 frames per second, it's super, super fast. Like, I wasn't 100% sure on that since mm. I came into this party way late instead I don't, of, like, the original PS3 and GameCube and da-da-da. I don't notice anything yeah. really different going from PS3 to PC. Uh, I don't know. Like, um, the only thing I have noticed is that obviously when you're clearly fighting there are some times where the prompt might disappear quicker than others but i i, I think that's like designed that way with certain enemies or fights where uh you have to tap it fast otherwise you're just dead um but deva had a question earlier related to the question we're currently on do you remember deva it was the merchant oh, yeah. versus the yeah just uh, the trans because we're talking about the transition from re4 and f to five right yeah and how that affected mm -hmm. the gameplay of like okay we have to find the merchant in re4 but then it was changed to more of a menu kind of select um th theme with re5 and how that kind of in a way took away a little bit from i don't know it took it's a great personality from... yeah i was yeah. gonna say personality yeah, that, I I thought that was a little bit of a downgrade because me personally, I, I mean, I was surprised to find a merchant in RE4, but then in RE5, I was waiting to find one, but I guess we didn't have it. But I mean, like you guys said, I mean, it took away a little bit of um from RE5 from that perspective. I don't know, because for this one, it's like I like the merchant. I like how corny he is, honestly, and I'm glad he came back in Village, but i feel like what they wanted to do here and i'm not saying it's like superior or anything but i kind of get what they were going for they wanted to do a preparation menu for both players so they can sort all their shit out before they head into battle and i guess they thought having this hokey guy sort of talk between the lines of both players just didn't feel right i heard rumors that the merchant was going to be in re5 but he was ultimately cut from the entire equation I think a lot of that comes down to, um, oh, sorry, real quick. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to, in RE4, you may not do it the most, but there is some backtracking. You can kind of access a lot of the map most of the time, you know, if you forgot something specific or whatever. So it makes sense to have these, like, specific spots where the merchant is, and ah, he's a fun and quirky character, and we're not going through menus, or we're not going through menus to get to different zones. Well, in RE5, it's very much a straight line. This is stage one, 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 two, two, one, two, two, like that kind of a thing. So it makes sense to be like, here's your prep, now get in there. While, while with RE4, you could, like, you know, get halfway through an area and be like, ah, god, I'm out of ammo. And if you wanted to, it might take a while. You could run all the way back, go sell mm -hmm. your stuff, run all the way forward. <laughs> Obviously, depending on the zone, if they didn't lock you in, but. 
I mean, Time. that in a way it did affect the pacing, though. As you said, I mean, in RE4, if you if you're out of ammo and the merchant's not around, it's kind of you're kind of out of luck a little bit, right? But mm -hmm. in RE5, I mean, you could literally stack before you even start the mission, and and as you guys said, since you're playing co-op, right? I mean, it makes sense to kind of have both players ready, and it kind of goes to like I know we're not going to do the next question yet, but it kind of transitions from more of a kind of survival horror to more of a really action-oriented kind of theme with RE5. Mm. It's because you know you're going to go into the mission knowing that you got a full stack of ammo. So there's well, also the, the, like, the, storage box. the storage box, too, adds to that, where, like, you could put away a weapon and then just, like, stockpile on storage and then, you know, oh, I ran out of sniper rifle ammo, put away the sniper, grab the shotgun with that storage box. Also, too, um, you can just restart the checkpoint if you're out of ammo or out of luck, like... So if you say you don't want one encounter, right, and you got an ammo, just go to the next area, reload the checkpoint after you download it in that spot, and then you go through your um, customization there. But you could do this for um like the the tentacle monsters. I forgot what they call it, the Ouroboros. Or you literally said said just you know using a flamethrower. You could literally use a rocket launcher, buy from the shop at their reload checkpoint, and kill it all day. Yeah. So it does kind of take away some urgency. We we literally just we start a checkpoint on the fly. And sacrificing realism for maybe a bit more convenience and hey this is a video game we're here to have fun kind yeah, of situation yeah, yeah pretty much yeah you see guys said actually he 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 hit it perfectly it took away a little bit of the urgency and i think that's the theme of this from transition from re4 to 5 to 6 you can see the the urgency is i don't think it's a priority and they they were really catering more to the action side of resident well, i think well, urgency is placed differently uh it was yeah. placed differently though say for the gameplay though it's placed for the story because you know if the characters fail shit would get real right versus you know yeah that yeah see the urgency and the scale of the problem as opposed to the immediate situation yeah, uh, yeah. this is this is a later question but this game is a lot more serious and the scale is a lot more disastrous with uroboros compared to re4 i'm not saying that like that situation isn't also bad because i mean actually getting into the states with the infected plaga that would be a huge problem but we're talking like world ending stuff here as opposed to some dictators being controlled so that would have been a worse situation if uroboros was out into the open right fun yeah. fun time illuminati with a cult as opposed to here's a worm virus that literally consumes all like it's basically the zerg like straight up it will consume all flesh and grow bigger and bigger and bigger and it's insane mm-hmm mm -hmm. It gets in the ocean. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> no, I think it, if it got into the atmosphere in general, it would just completely destroy everything. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I always had some issues with the ultimate plot of Resident Evil Five, especially when I used to play it. Like nowadays, I don't, I don't know if I care as much. But I always thought it was. I don't know. I never particularly liked it, especially when I think of someone like Albert Wesker. Um, who's always been this very sort of scheming individual, you know, kind of plotting bits and pieces on the side, and, you know, he's obviously betrayed his allies and done power and that sort of bits and pieces, and he suddenly suddenly goes from, you know, kind of gathering these viruses and plotting from, like, behind the shadows of Resident Evil 4 to some Resident Evil 5, he wants to, like, kill 5 billion people. It, it, I, 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 ultimate I evolution. Like, yeah, that always seemed, yeah. like, too big a logic jump for me. Like, it just seems just not like something he would do 
Yeah, is that kind of segueing into question number eight? So should we answer that now? I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Let's save it for yeah. Let's... I had a lot to say about that as well. I actually partially disagree with that notion, though. But I'll get to there. Okay. So I actually, the conversation we had about the Netflix show. That yeah, when we get to that question. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the next one then. So I, uh, uh, who read this one? Actually, I just read. Uh, Shadow. What about you? Could you read question number three? Yeah, pretty simple. Who's everyone's favorites and least favorite enemies from the game? Um, I would say my least favorite enemy from the game was Sheva. Oh no, that's um, question number three. Shadow. <laughs> no, that's four. That's that's four. four. Oh, number three. Oh, whoops. Oh, even that last. <laughs> I my my points. <laughs> Um, how do you feel about this game being touted as a bigger departure from horror formula, including stuff like daytime combat, turret sections, and cooperative mode? Oh. Okay. Um, honestly, though, like, yeah, it departs from the horror stuff, but you know what? So did Resident Evil 4, but nobody wants to talk about that. But um, yeah, it definitely does, though, but given the story context, though, it's only for so much horror you could probably realistically do, in a way. Because it was not, of stars, it's clear it was not meant to be a full on horror game anyway. So uh, there was bound to be some, you know, little discrepancies during development. But then again, Capcom did call it a horror game. So you, you can probably, you know, say, say we should will about that. I mean, one I think the... the original concept for um, RE5, to be honest, like, we're going to go back a little bit from that trailer. I mean, from that trailer, looking at it, I mean, it looked like more of a horror game, but then actually in our finalized version of the game, I mean, they really strayed away from it. I mean, and um, me personally, I mean, I enjoyed the co-op, especially, obviously, you know, playing with an actual friend, right? But then, I'll be honest, it did take away from the horror aspect of the game, right? And the whole daylight combat that as well like the atmosphere can't it just fell off i mean sure it's great you get to see all the enemies and you're you're surrounded and all that is great i mean it's as we discussed earlier there i mean the just the amount of uh enemies and all that but it really did take away from the atmosphere like it really it took re4's action oriented portion to a whole nother level and um, especially, you know, when we added more of the, like we said, like the turret section, I mean, it was fun, but it didn't feel like Resident Evil to me. But that's just my take on that. I do agree if it took away the atmosphere, though, but uh, say it's not Resident Evil per se, though, like, well, this is probably talking as in the current year, though. I feel like that's, you know, kind of a hard thing to say, considering, you know, how different Resident Evil has been, even since, you know, um, they won it away. I don't know, I, I'm probably in a different camp on that one, though, but... I... This, this does go into a question that we have raised on several of these podcasts this series as what exactly is a Resident Evil game? Yeah. This has come up time and time and time again. Of, you know, And what a Resident Evil game, in theory, is differs depending on who you are, what year mm. it is, what side of the bed you got out of. Um, it, it has changed throughout, you know, should it be a, a mainly horror base, you know, in puzzle solving? Should it be much more action orientated? Should it be whatever the hell Resident Evil 6 was? You know, like, <laughs> this is this has changed over the course of time, unfortunately. Um, obviously, this was a, a big break from what it was previously um, and for any of it, really. But it made, you know, a lot of it kind of made sense, you know daytime the game had been stuck in like fighting at night for like 10 years what the hell get you know you've got a graphics engine it's pretty decent um you know exploit it you know have stuff happening in the daytime you know the the the, the they don't need to like be hiding in like day uh in the nighttime They're not taking on just like you know not fighting vampires 
What does it really matter? You know, go for it. I um, mean, you got the co-op of it of it as well. You know, and it's about bloody time. I think by that point that they got co-op involved into the game, been sorely lacking. Um, the only games that had any kind of co-op were kind of off the beat side games. Um, as much as it hurts me to say, Outbreak was that, but sadly that's what it was. Um, you know, it's about time it reached its way into a main series to have some actual proper co-op, and it made for a better experience. Uh, as think- far but- as as far as five goes. It's one of those situations where obviously times and opinions change as much as the games themselves have changed over the years. Five is one of those entries where when I initially played it as a as a young teen or a younger teen, I really thought even comparatively to four, the sheer disconnect from what we'd first had from the survival horror side of things was a bit too much in five. Mm-hmm. And that that coupled with elements of the plot that Shadow made reference to earlier with Wesker, that I'm sure we'll all get to later, was enough to make me really dislike it. But, but, and I found this while playing it for my channel the other day. Now that I'm now that I'm older and we've had like several more games come out over time, that feeling of disconnect has actually lessened and it's actually quite a reasonable entry for me now i've got less of an issue now than i did back then so i think it's just changing tastes and preferences for a lot of people okay here's the thing here's the thing real quick Uh, i just want to go real Mm. quick sorry cut you off uh but i feel as though i'm trying not to look at this in a lens of just what is a resident evil game to me like i feel like you will have your own personal preference on this surely but i feel there's so many eras of re now and there's been so much implementation as the series progressed from even re2 where you're like stockpiling ammo and you're you're just basically going around and doing a killing spree of like uh leon b and having like 50 shotgun shells so i i mean as the series progressed action just sort of came along with it i do agree this is the most like biggest case because we're talking like gun turret sections etc but there are differing eras of re and this is just one of them uh for the most part i liked it because this is just basically a progression of re4 which is a game that essentially revolutionized the entire third person over the shoulder landscape mm. it's got to be taken in context as well i mean this is 2009 you know this is the year of call of duty modern warfare 2 coming out you know it, it was just a tr- it's a trend in gaming that has been going on left dead 2 came out this year um, you know, this is a trending game that was going on at the time where games were crack- progressively getting faster and faster. It's something we've seen for years and to some extent still tries to happen. Um, you know, it was inevitable that Resident Evil was going to have to follow the trend. And something else we've also talked about many times before is the fact that Capcom with Resident Evil have tried to kind of semi-capture the trend at the time. Uh, you look at other games of the series, you know, with... Um, uh, uh, like even though the ones that didn't work so well, like um, the name completely utterly escapes me. Um, not Raccoon City, the other one, the really terrible one, Umbrella Call. That one, yeah, that exactly. Mm. What was that? That wasn't the Resident Evil game. That was an attempt to try and quote cash in unquote on the current uh, what was sort of going on and popular at the time. Um, 
the upcoming game, which has been obviously on the cutting block for about a year, we've heard nothing for, you know, the PvP one is exactly the same sort of thing. So it's not a surprise that Resident Evil 5 kind of went down that route as well. I don't think you really hindered it by any stretch of imagination. Um, I think it probably needed a dose of adrenaline. It's just that that became like a whole attache case full of it by the time we were all said and done. Uh, the only thing I have to say on that is that, I mean, it seems universal that no one really bothers or plays Resident Evil for the multiplayer experience only. I'm talking about like the vast majority. I'm sure there are some people that do like that, but I'm speaking solely on the fact of the people who like the single player content a little bit more than that like reverse isn't working out all the other stuff isn't working out so that's just a no-brainer that those people will say i don't feel like this feels like re to me i want the single player horror stuff or even the action stuff i'll just take any sort of campaign over pvp yeah it's it's maybe it's a little unfair to use those as examples but you know, to say what is or isn't a Resident Evil game is like an impossible question now because the series has gone on for 25 years and has encompassed about every single type of horror you could think of at this point. What else mm -hmm. left is there? So it's done it all. So, I mean, from people who started off from like the fixed camera angle from the very, like, you know, late 90s, the transition from the actual survival horror to RE4 to then RE5, I noticed a lot of people. I wouldn't say didn't completely like it, but I mean, they kind of like, it wasn't their cup of tea, right? But now I, I forgot who mentioned it, but now after playing through the games like RE6 and going Revelations and like playing RE Village and all that and RE2 Remake, now looking back at 5, you could see the transition. It's like, okay, it does make sense after so many years. But from that point, when it first came out, there was a huge difference. It was like, okay, well, me, I play Resident Evil because, I mean, yeah, there is action, but I really like the whole survival horror. But then you transition that to RE5, there was a clear, clear difference. Yeah. And this goes back to RE4, and you guys know that the first, what, two-thirds of the game, right? I would say it's a little bit more horror-themed, right? And then the last, por last portion with the, uh, the island, it really did focus more on the horror, I mean, the action portion, right? And I feel like they magnified that to RE5 to the next level, though. And that's I say, what I will say in RE4's case, though, it, the most horror it has ever been was honestly the village. No, best part of the game, by the way. Uh, and the regenerators, but, yeah. Regenerators, sure. But um, once you get to the castle... And in the last um, party game, it goes full action, right? The one advantage that Resident Evil 4 had, though, or 5, and I will admit this, is the atmosphere. You know, it has a very really stronger atmosphere, like you mentioned, right? But the mm -hmm. problem at hand is that, like, it started the whole action trend, though. But realistically speaking, though, like, it kind of started beforehand, like Ren mentioned. I will say Resident Evil 3 pretty much started the more action trend because of the stakes that the game was in. Contrast to 1 and 2, right? You're in the middle of a freaking city. You know, you're bound to run into more enemies, so does the game what leads to more action or irritation. Now, go to Resident Evil 5. You're in the middle of a freaking country. You know, the whole country is um, infested with um, the Ouroboros and stuff, whatever, right? So, logically speaking, you know, the game is going to be more action-oriented versus you know, Resident Evil 4, which is only that one isolated area. Um, I believe Resident Evil 5, it definitely was, and I think probably, I think it still is the highest-selling Resident Evil game ever. Yeah, it is. Pretty sure. Yeah. So, you know, whatever whatever you make of the game, it brought a lot of new people to the series. Um, it, it gave it yeah. a spin, you know, so you can't criticize that. 
you know, it's it's easy to look at it and kind of it's it's the ironic one where like Resident Evil Four probably if you are like really entrenched in the view that Resident Evil should have stayed kind of in its uh, how in its original form. Resident Evil 4 did significantly more damage to the series in that view than Resident Evil 5 ever could have done. Because Resident Evil 4 brought over the top. Resident Evil 4 brought all of these different changes, which Resident Evil 5 kind of largely took and just kind of tweaked around the hood. But Resident Evil 4 is widely viewed as such a great game that people can't really um, have a go at it very much. And so they have a go at Resident Evil 5 instead. It's very similar to Resident Evil Remake uh, for yeah, Resident Evil Remake 2 which, of course, changed the entire system all over again. Um, and if you were of the generation before, think, oh, it shouldn't have gone like that. You know, I'm perfectly happy it was. Remake 2 was the one that made all the changes, but it's probably one of the best Resident Evil games I've ever made. So when Resident Evil 3 came out and it wasn't quite to level, oh, suddenly that got all the hate. Well, the one who starts the innovation versus the one after you start realizing all the wrinkles and all the issues. Yeah, with it. Pr pretty yeah. much. It, it's a bit of a false. Uh, it's a bit of fallacy um, going on. It's it's a minor point in the grand scheme of things, but I think it's worth knowing. That's valid. But I'm. Oh, yeah, it also like... does apply to the context at, at hand for certain times, right? Because no, you could you know, Resident Evil Three, for example. Yeah, sure. No, it followed what Resident Evil Two did, all right? But it didn't do it to the most extent it could. Whereas Resident Evil Five, though, at least they actually went out the way to improve those there versus you know going backwards in some areas no but again like i get with what you mean on that one for sure yeah something i think is also important about um about like the sense of horror and okay so before it was all cramped dark uh, dark dark isolated you have 10 bullets and there's like two zombies and because that there's a major threat while in re5 you have oodles and oodles of ammo and you get a pistol that can hold 70 rounds and there's all these zombies coming at you and it's not as darkness that's open uh the first thing i would think of is darkness I'm trying to remember the exact quote. I'm going to say it wrong. But the imagination is the ultimate source of all horror, which is why many times in horror games, I remember I haven't played Outlast 1 and 2, but I remember Outlast 2 being but people had complaints about it. You could see what was going to kill you and you could see what the problem is much quicker. There wasn't a chance for the imagination to take hold. While in the earlier Resident Evils, it's dark. You hear a scream in the distance. You hear a sound in the distance. You have no idea. You have to overcompensate that with, this, like, like I said earlier, the sense of scale with um re5 because you can see everything coming so it loses that sense of horror and they have to do it in other ways which is why it leads more towards action and the turret sections kind of same kind of thing you can see what's coming so there's not as much that uh, imagination working for you i think would be a big aspect of it the other aspect i think is co-op in horror games itself with the same kind of logic as before of when you're in a mansion you're it's dark you're alone you're by yourself what are you going to do with co-op you lose immersion no matter what, because at any time I can turn to the right and I can see my fiance. We could say, ha ha, I just shot that guy in the head. And it takes you out of it as opposed to when you're by yourself alone. It's dark with your headphones in and you're fully immersed. I think that's another aspect that took away from horror and added to action because they need to overcompensate that lack of immersion by more threats, more problems. And when it is those city sections where it's like there's just tons of dudes coming at you, I think the game really does shine. It's just a different kind of horror challenge. Yeah. <clears throat> the thing I was going to say is I think the the other side of the coin to this would be Resident Evil 7, which then went away from all the action and kind of went back to this sort of idea that you're, you're raising here. Um, and that's probably why I absolutely adore the game. So, I mean, like one zombie when you have three bullets versus 50 zombies when you have 100, it's different kinds of feelings, different kinds of emotions. But is one inherently worse than the other? Yeah, 
yeah, all I, I want. Guess it just, I, I guess it, it just depends on the player, then. You know, it's not. It's not like, a quality you, thing. It's a subjective thing. That, that's just what yeah, I want to add in. Is it more scary to be by yourself with a pistol and two zombies, or is it more scary to have like the biggest chain gun in the world, but there's so many that it doesn't matter and it doesn't make a difference? It's inevitable. Like, which is scary, and that 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 comes down to personality. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can move on to that was a good point, but uh, we got to move on to question number four. So I will read that. So. Who is your favorite and least favorite enemy within the game? We're talking about like normal enemies here, and the next one is boss. Shevet doesn't count. Uh, no. Oh, you know, can I start? You don't mind if I start on that one? Um, sure. Actually, from transitioning from RE4 to RE5, and I would say not least, but I would say most disappointed was actually the chainsaw guys in RE5. And the reason being, because from RE4, what do we have? We had a lot more chainsaw people, right? The, you know, chainsaw sisters. And we got Dr. Salvador, right? And here in RE5, in the actual main campaign, I think, what, we only saw them, what, twice? In the early uh, portion yeah. of the game? So you can see it two times, but second time, you yeah. fight two of them, I believe. So yeah. yeah, but I mean, and that was it. So I wouldn't say, I didn't least, I mean, I love the chainsaw guys. I mean, they freaked me the hell out. I mean, I think that's the scariest enemies in re5 to be honest yeah because the insect um, killer right so like, you treat them exactly. as a biggest threat mm. and i mean i mean just getting chainsawed right that death scene that's it's pretty gruesome right i mean so i was a little bit down on that i was expecting maybe hey maybe we'll get like a bigger dr salvador right i mean we saw chris get jacked up why not the chainsaw man no but i guess they didn't go that route but um and then favorite uh like i said i like i love the chainsaw motif to be honest so i liked it and i guess i didn't like it yeah that that would have been a perfect time to put in uh the super salvadors that show up in re4 mercs where they're bigger stronger faster and they have the double bladed chainsaw that could cut your head off if they're super close but uh they didn't do that for some reason so i definitely agree that like the chainsaw men in this game were very few and far between I have a question regarding the chainsaw guys, actually. Now, I'm going to need some clarification. I'm wondering if you guys can mm-hmm. do this. Somebody actually told me regarding the chainsaw guys that if you're playing anything veteran or above, or maybe if it's just professional, that the chainsaw guys will go down and then get back up a second time. Can anybody confirm? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Is that scripted? Yes, it's scripted. The ones in, I believe it's the ones in red pants or go down, and the ones in blue will go down, and they'll get up, go rampaging, and then you have to down them again quickly. Might be okay. the other way around, but yeah, that, that is scripted. Right. Yeah, but that, the only time that happened, though, to my recollection, like, straight up to my memory, would be the first time you meet him, because he goes down mm-hmm. first, pick up the key, he gets back up, try to kill you again, and that's when you kill him permanently. Yeah, there's only a couple of places that happens, yeah. One's in the campaign, one's in uh, Desperate Escape. Uh, It happens uh, once or twice in there, in the mouth. It's all the fighting you do in that, but uh, it's pretty rare. Despite only seeing them, like, I missed a a bit of what you were saying earlier, because I had to just quickly grab something, but despite seeing them less i honestly felt like comparatively to the salvadors we would see in four they salvadors always felt like in four a 
a, a, a side boss, a, a bit of a threat, but otherwise easily dispatchable if you knew how to, to deal with them. Whereas um, in 5, they legitimately felt like they'd gone from side bosses right up to I am a full-fledged boss and I am going to be a legitimate danger. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'd, I'd agree. Typically because they tended to fight you with other dudes around them, which didn't help. Um, but they were pretty... They're pretty beefy. Um, they were pretty hard to take down. I don't think they were the most dangerous themselves. It's just that it was very easy to get caught up fighting something else and you get ambushed out of nowhere. They were surprisingly quick. Hmm. That's actually something I was going to bring up. Like, all right, this, this is something that I have a bias for in like most video games, and I felt like this happened at least a decent amount in RE5. I will always... Oh, I apologize about that. I will always hate enemies that can just like instantly kill you. And I recognize that, like, oh, the Chainsaw guys didn't always do that, but I do remember a lot where it's like, I'm full health and life, life is great. And I get it. You're getting hit with a chainsaw. You're going to die. But in terms of, like, gameplay, it always felt like it was kind of stolen from me. You know what I mean? That were, like, someone would just kind of, like, snatch you and you'd be done. So, yeah. Yeah, it, I can understand. It, it, it's hard, like, um, Alien, to, to bring a different game, Alien Isolation. I felt like that a lot, where it's like, my weapons are ineffective, and if I touch him, game over. And I never really liked that. So, we're like, least favorite... Yeah, for least favorite enemy, I know it's kind of a cop-out to say, like, anything that instant kills you, because that shit drives me nuts. Mm. But, um, that would be mine. Definitely. Uh, So, uh, I'm gonna do mine real quick, and I'm gonna let other people go. Uh, So, I guess, favorite enemy to fight... Honestly, this is gonna be a weird one, but I like fighting the JJ's, uh, the guys with the giant Gatling guns, because you can do so much to them. Um, you can do the super backhand, and you can kill them, and they're also a threat from long range. So if they keep shooting you on professional, that's a big deal. Uh, but there's many ways to dispatch them, and I guess if I had like an honorable mention, I I know people hate this enemy with a passion, but I honestly figured out how to beat him, and he's not so bad. I would say the giant reaper, the the roach enemy that you fight, that you can like knock off his limbs, and he can insta kill you and stuff like that. It's a yes. it's a sort of push I and pull. I love and hate those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I can see the love and. I can see the love and hate relationship. I, I just personally like to uh, use the flash and then shoot the uh, pus sacks on the body and then kill it instantly from there. Uh, yeah. but, but it was a pretty fun fight. Like I like them because they're puzzles. It's uh, but the problem is though, like you, it's hard to enjoy a Rubik's cube when four people are stabbing you. But like when it's just you and the Reaper, you're like, oh, I have to do this and I have to hit these sacks and then I have to go in and do the finish. You know, it was fun to work with. But the problem was is when you're doing that while three dudes are firing rocket launchers at you and there's two of them, so you can't sit there and focus on the one and. I mean, the I think game that's introduces the it pretty now. well. Like the first time you fight the Reapers, there can't there, there aren't any other dudes around unless you specifically right, right. have them around. Like the second time when you have to deal with one or potentially two, if you're playing on professional, uh, and there are other dudes around, yeah, that's a really yeah. obnoxious fight. Mm-hmm. Like that that mm-hmm. sucks. Th- they're fun in isolation. Once they're in a group, it's like this. This is this is you yeah. Know. It, it, it's pretty. It's pretty brutal. But also, yeah, I haven't found them too bad. You know, they they can be real bullet sponges though if you don't know mm-hmm. quite what you're doing. And the first time, mm-hmm. like it's it can be pretty frustrating, especially because like if you kind of get caught out of position, you can't really dodge them. There's no press X to dive out the way. You're just dead. 
mm. which yeah. I, I would have liked like a tiny window to be able to like try and do something about rather than just you're screwed because you can't like there's no it's not like nowadays with like resident evil remake 3 where you can just dodge and any direction you kind of want you were just stuck there and you're just like well this is bad okay the reapers actually um uh, uh, I don't agree. They were the first and probably the only enemies to actually put the fear of God in me. Because they just spawn out of nowhere. Because the first time playing, right? They spawn out of nowhere, and they, once they catch up to you, they instantly kill you. Like, that's literally the first time I actually, like, you know, took an enemy, you know, very seriously. Because, you know, if you Chainsaw Guy, you've seen him before in a previous game, whatever, right? But the um, Giant Reapers, though, no, like, that's not like a really uncommon enemy. You'll see, you know, they just, you know, spawn out of nowhere and instantly kill you on the spot. So I, I actually really do like those enemies for that reason. They make me feel pretty uncomfortable purely because of the the threat, the, the way they lurch towards you because you know after you've encountered them and they've killed you once, you know exactly what they're going to do. So when you're being backed into a corner, you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I have a, I have a bit of a fight or flight reflex with them. It's like get as far away from it as possible. And also, one quick question in relation to these guys as well. The second time you encounter them in, in the room where you have to operate the switch to go across on the platform, um, I believe there's some RNG involved in that, right? Like, they can jump, they can pop down from a different spot in the ceiling, RNG yes, depending. Yes. It's very RNG dependent. You always will fight two, to my recollection, though, but they will... They're not always spawn at the same um little sex. Yeah. Yeah. Just wondering. Alright. So, so, so. Yeah, as I say, as far as I said, um, I have to admit, probably one of my favorite enemies to fight is probably Wesker, actually. Which I know goes slightly against like what I just said earlier about like I think his plot's a bit silly, which I still do, but I think just as pure context of fighting in the game, I think he's actually quite entertaining. Um but he is the... a boss, right? So you, you wanna say that for the next question? Uh, oh, there is boss fight. Oh, yeah, my bad. Okay, well, as far as general enemies, then, um, goodness me, I'd probably say I actually quite enjoyed fighting the uh, the giant virginies in the village. I think yes, I think they're they're me pretty they're pretty wild to fight against, um, especially because like some of their attacks will actually hit like other people around them, so it's pretty chaotic. Um, you know that they're, they're dangerous, but they're pretty fair. Um, I mean, they just look amazing. I think um, they're great That's entertaining true, yeah. to fight against. Um, so I probably have to give a shout out to them. As far as Lisa enemies, um, I could meme and say the snake because I died to one once and I never went down. <laughs> um, I get that though. I get it. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a weird, so what was it? Was was I was doing it on my own with Chevrolet and, um, and what was it was in the uh, the puzzle area where you've got to turn the various dials. You've got the beams of light you can't cross because you'll like get hurt. Um, and in one of the side rooms, there's some pots you can smash, um, and there was a snake in one of them, which I failed to stab. It hit me, it put me on bleeding, but the problem was, is because we were in the light section, Shevel was programmed to stay up top on the platform and would not come down. Yep. And she just stood there, and I just, I, it took me about 30 seconds to just stand there and bleed out, and I was just like, great. It I was... would have loaded a checkpoint at that point. No. Uh, I, I I mean, I was pretty furious. Uh, I, I might as well have done, to be honest. Um, but as far as actual least favorite enemy in the game, um, I don't know. Probably like the um, the the clam guys. Um, I don't remember their precise name. They're called the Duwala. 
Yeah, yeah though, they're, they're pretty... I was not a fan of fighting them. I thought they were really... Uh, they, they're just really frustrating to do, especially in groups. Um, really, really aggravating to fight. Um, you know, when you're trying to do other bits and pieces and if you're getting swarmed and then you're like having to... Oh, I've got to shoot that in like its back leg slash tail. And you just can't really control doing that. And especially on your own, it's a horrendous nightmare because the AI did not usually have a very good job of actually shooting it correctly. Um, and they'd be sort of standing targets. So I'd probably throw it for them. In a similar vein, I'd say the Cephalo, the, like, the column of flesh that would come out of them. There's definitely a lot of times where it'd be like, okay, shoot this guy in the head. And then like one of those would show up and be like, I don't have the ammo for this. I guess I need to leave. I guess it would be just a little bit more annoying with the clam enemies because they can not only do this like very annoying headbutt, but they can also uh, do an insta-kill if they do this bite and you're close and they grab you and they put you on bleeding instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. I love how they just come in. Uh, they have this giant mouth, right? They can just bite you or slash you up, right? They just walk up to you and just headbutt you into the ground. They have to you assert dominance at least once, just so you know <laughs> who's in charge. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least they go down to a freaking flashbang, though, but I just find those enemies comedic. They just, all they do is just walk up to you, bong you, <laughs> and what want to do? <laughs> That and sometimes, especially in the, the the towards the very back end of the game, some of those guys pop out of Magini that have got the full body armor on, so it's very hard to hit them and get them yeah, into a stun space. As well, yeah, oh, just ugh. who yeah. who thought that was a good idea? Someone hits the player. <laughs> Someone got paid money to make that decision, and it makes me sick. Uh, yeah, they're uh, bad enemies, very bad. Uh... Are you guys not here though? Because uh, we should probably move on because we're running a little bit behind on. I didn't give you mine yet. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead then. Just two seconds. Yeah, I'm actually in terms of a, a favorite enemy. I'm I'm pretty much emulating Shadow here. The um, the 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 big huge Magini dudes in the village. The the way they just lunge at you and swing around. Absolutely um, absolutely loving those. Really enjoyable. I like carting them around and blasting them with a magnum. The whole village section was just fun for me. It was one of my my favorite bits because you've got a wide open space and you just go in round and those enemies are cool and least favorites oh god what are the um give me a minute my brain's gone blank i would actually have to say are we are we classing like big sub boss enemies as well yes yeah and yeah okay mini gunners not a fan of the minigunners because they are just like oh, they JJ. are poor JJ. A walking <laughs> tanks and it's just like I I had so much displeasure when I was finishing my stream last night just dealing with them because the bit at the end where you've got two of them simultaneously while you've got a million and one Magini just around you I was having to cart them into narrow corridors with mines and then blast them with about 70 rounds of grenade launcher, and it was, um... I mean, to be fair, given the last time I played Resident Evil 5 was doing a co-op run of this game with unupgraded M92Fs, and that was it. That Oof. fight was pretty hideous. <laughs> but in their defense, it was still quite kind of fun. As, yeah. as disgustingly difficult as it was, because we couldn't even kill the Reapers in time. That's still fighting Reapers and double JJs, so it's like, oh, jeez. Yeah, but, it's, like, not, it's not know, a fun time. But, um, but you know, I, I can't really hate on them too much. Like, 
the guy smoking a cigar. Like, that's pretty badass. Like, that, living awesome. his best life. Exactly. Yeah, while getting shot in the face, he's still smoking. How can you? How can you hate that man? He's smoking us a big fat cigar, wielding like a fifty pound minigun and and backpack and ammo on him. Like that's that's pretty. You wish you could do that. Yeah, I'll give him one bit of credit. They're usually wearing sunglasses, and that wins by me. If anything's wearing sunglasses, it wins. Yeah, so they get go. style points. They do. They do. Anyway, that's my point. Right. Go ahead, guys. Um, in terms of favorite enemies, this kind of goes back to what we talked about before. For me, I would probably say it's the basic bitch Magini. Like, not the ones that mutate, not the ones that have, like, giant ones. I think it's just one of the... What encapsulates a lot of the fun in the gameplay is here's your playground and here's infinite basic dudes and, like, these ones have crossbows, these ones have axes, these ones throw bottles, these ones can only grab you. I think for me that was my favorite, just, you know, dealing with a swarm, I think, is a fun time and seeing them, like, jump and crawl and all sorts of things and... You know, the occasional big one's good, but I just loved going against swarms of basic enemies. I mean, they give you the most variety, so that, that does... Yeah. That count, so. mm-hmm. All right, I'm actually going to read this one off. Um, number five, who is your favorite and least favorite boss in the game? And I actually want to start first on this one. My favorite, though, by far, is definitely Wesker. Yeah. Capcom, mm-hmm. like, went above beyond with this fight. Sorry, so I love rival fights in, in my game, so like, this is it definitely, definitely a bias towards that, though. But what I love is like how you can approach him. Either you could take the stealth route, or you could take the um no the forceful route by either countering him, you no know, doing your quick time events, or whatever. But I prefer stealth though, because it's obviously a lot easier, especially with the Magnum. But there's one detail that I really, really do like that I never knew about this until literally this year. If you you can knock off his shades, right, and with that you can actually blind him with flashbangs afterwards. Never knew that. I wish I wish I knew that years ago though when I was no not that good at the game though but now I don't need it though but it's a nice little detail where you can approach that one fight at least three different ways to a certain degree or four if you count the later versions you know use a rocket launcher shoot them up then go grab them <laughs> so yeah like uh, Wesker easily number one my least favorite though is the gun turret session with uh, with that giant Magini, uh from Resident Evil 4 that fight just sucks, honestly, because you don't even fight him directly. You just on the turn all the time. I don't like it. Trash. Sorry, I don't like that chapter either. Um, yeah, I get that. All right, next person. Yeah, uh, as I'd, I'd said, um, yeah, West 100%. Like, he's a lot of fun to fight. Um, he's He can be kind of cruel a little bit, especially if you're fighting him later on on, like, Professional. Um, and particular note, the Jill Wesker fight on Professional is not particularly fun to fight. Um, it can be a real hassle um, trying to separate him, um, but I think all in all, like he's he's pretty fun, and he says some like completely inane madness, which is always good times in a Resident Evil game, um, you know. And if you do want to actually like take the fight to him, you know, you actually have to employ some strategy of like having to distract him and get your partner to kind of go around and blindside him. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff, you know? I mean, you can fire a rocket at him and he's, like, physically holding it back, which is also extra style points there. I think they did a really good job with Wesker and pretty much all the fights. The final fights, like, kind of... Sure, it's a final fight. It's going to be a bit mad. Sure, it was okay. But I think fighting him just beforehand, though, uh, was really, really good times. That's actually something I was going to bring up. Like, you know, yeah... If they're being said in the Discord, what's everyone's favorite fight? It's probably going to be Wesker. And I would agree, having to have that strategy and stealth, I think, is really fun. Except when it was, um, yeah, okay, so what's your least favorite fight? 
also Wesker specifically when he was with Jill because I died so many times not because of me but because they'd be like you know what Chris is running around he's being smart and playing Metal Gear Solid I'm just gonna go beat the shit out of Shiva now and it did feel awful to be like I cannot save you other than to call you to me and then having to go up against Jill who would just be like ah, I can't shoot you Chris you're too your, your muscles are too big oh look hi Shiva and then the the you know the fight would end but the strategy and tactfulness you had to approach you know what is effectively a superhuman i i think was an absolute blast not as much okay the the hype factor when he was mutating and when he, he absorbed a plane but um it was hype it was cool i was all for it but i think just basic wesker would probably be like the best kind of yeah. fight the most fun completely agree i mean base wesker is really really fun i mean can we all agree that like during the middle of the fight remember like that two-on-two fight right yeah all his quotes were really funny yeah i mean I yeah. them were bone chilling especially when you yeah. didn't know where he was he's i found you and you'd be like oh. exactly and you know what i remember there was a moment i was on one side of the hallway right and here i am just like oh i could just shoot you and i completely forgot that this guy could blitz towards you instantaneously and that freaked me out but yeah i, mean, oh, I that love that when he sprints yeah right, i mean it is a great base wesker was fun and it was a great fight and i do agree what you guys said like i think his final fight was kind of lackluster i mean me personally i thought he was a lot more powerful in his base form and, and compared to his like ouroboros absorbed form you know so yeah, he was like calm and collected you no know, actually using what he had it against you versus like no going full monster but that's like Correct. a recurring theme with resident evil their enemies yeah, but, were stronger when it not transform. But we got to put it into context. So remember, like, Wesker did get injected, remember? Mm. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. That it was, like, like it was overwhelming him. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at yeah. that point, he, he, I think he had an excuse, to be fair. Yeah. But then again, though, now. still, he punched a hole through the plane, which is, like, made of steel, right? Like, he was yeah. still yeah. more powerful that way than he was with the Ouroboros. So, like, honestly, he kind of downgraded himself still. I forget so, uh, the name of the... Uh, of the trope is but like you know when it's spider-man versus one villain that one villain's ready to like destroy the city right and then it's spider-man versus six villains and somehow all of their competency has gone down yes. to be the worth mm. of one it was that kind of a situation yeah yeah, yeah. So in a sense it's like less is more with wesker then yeah i, mean, I just I, I love like you know those giant monsters and they shoot you know they shoot acid or whatever and they're mutating crazy and then you just have a dude in a trench coat walking towards you and you're like oh this can't be that oh 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 oh, oh. it was yeah, so much it, more it, scary i think it's very bad it's very it's a, bad. It was a pretty slick trench coat too oh oh you yeah. styling is all good i loved it yeah i mean it's, it's nice getting pummeled by neo from the matrix you know i mean it's nice yeah. oh, the first time the light went through the sunglasses and you see like the demon dragon snake whatever you want to call them eyes that was yeah. horrifying. And I yeah, loved it. especially if you hadn't played Code Veronica and didn't already know about it. Because if oh, you had, freaked me out then too. Yeah. But if you, especially if you hadn't played that and weren't aware that was a situation, you're actually like, oh, that's that's not good. Like, so, oh, he's a dude. Oh, he's Satan. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so I wanna I wanna do mine real quick. Uh, so it's not gonna take too long. But basic Wesker, as everyone has said, with how dynamic the combat is the stuff he could do uh, sprinting towards you like usain bolt that stuff was incredible i i, I thought that was great and I, I know i know some people will say the second fight is kind of dumb because he has sunglasses on you turn off the lights and then turns around why not take the sunglasses off so you can see but i mean 
as pure boss mechanics go and him catching the missiles and everything I, I thought it was really well done it's not very common even in resident evil where you fight someone that is a humanoid that is your size but instead he has superhuman abilities so i thought that was very clever the way they did it uh as for least favorite boss fights i will have to say it is nadetsu which is the giant el gigante monster it's on rails yeah. so that's yeah. that's one thing kind of against it and then you have to sort of not only deal with him but you have to deal with the other magini either shooting arrows or throwing molotov cocktails at you at the same time and then on professional it gets even more annoying so you have to watch out for them and not get hit because a combination of all three will just kill you immediately yeah, I, I I really didn't want to use Indezu as my pick for worst, because I think the fact that it's on rails is, like, a little unfair, because it's the only one that's like that, and it kind of plays against it. But then I was thinking of all the other boss fights in the game, and there's not really any that I'd say I particularly dislike. I think they're all at least fine, um, you know, and especially the first time you fight them. I think they're all pretty decent. You know, Ur the Uroboros first fight is like, it it's fine as an introduction. The one later on with the Flamethrower, um, I think is, is kind of well-constructed, if difficult. The, the fight on the ship is obviously completely mad, but isn't actually that terrible, I don't think. So I, I had to eventually pick that as well, but I felt a little bad in doing so because the game kind of almost like schemes against itself there. What I... I get the rail idea. I, I, I understand why they chose that, but like, it, I just don't think it worked. Yep, same. I would have preferred a traditional boss fight. I mean, even Irving, uh, all the crazy shenanigans they pull in that fight with him pulling at the boat and everything, that was more well-constructed than this turret section here and you have the option to either use your ammo or get on the turret with irving which i thought gave the player a little bit more freedom in the process yeah, irving, i was just thinking that like irving is technically on rails as well but because you have that freedom as opposed to i refuse i will die before i leave this jeep it's like it adds different aspects to it yeah. irving yeah. i wanted to badly choose but that was largely just personal experience of having to fight that on professional on vanilla professional and just Misery yeah. and pain. professional was not fun, but I fight you don't. But if you've just got a big massive magnum, it's fine. But if you're doing it yeah. vanilla and you don't, it's a pretty egregious fight. I can't imagine. <laughs> In terms of my favorite and least favorite, obviously, you know, base West, everybody said it at this point, and I am agreeing. And I just want, I just want to add that. As corny as it was, when the guy stood there and was like, I have seven minutes to play with you, I'm like, okay, this is cheesy as all hell, but I'm loving every second of it. I'm in for this ride. Let's do this. Sounds kind of dirty, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah What's one Spider-Man? Three minutes, or was a, I forget the exact quote, but it's like 50 seconds of playtime. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. Oh, God. I forget the exact quote. <laughs> Although, to be fair, during last night's stream, he was clipping into every single wall. I don't know if his AI was having a good time last night or not, but for some bizarre reason, and it didn't happen the last time I streamed it, he was clipping into lots of walls, and I had to kite Shever around as a human distraction to get his attention and then move him off walls. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he the walls now. Of he surpassed man and God. Yes. He now just loves walls. 
yep. all things wall, which is perfect. Although I still haven't managed to get the Heart of Africa. I will get that eventually, I swear. The pain it's happening. It's a pain I've heard it's very hard. Even some of my stream guys were saying that last night. You just you so. got to just commit to it, or, or just bring a big, just bring a rocket launcher of you, and then you can probably get it. But if yeah, you well, want to just use the resources that are around, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. One of the guys literally said that to me. They're like silver, just grab a rocket launcher. Yeah, so. it's the easiest way to do it if you rocket launcher. It's not enough on professional. Like if you just use that, I'm pretty sure you still have to do a little damage on top. I think. My memory's a little bit off, but um, like outside of rocket launching, it's pretty hard to defeat him in time. We tried um, in the the base handgun run, like we legitimately tried to see if we could beat Wesker in seven minutes with Jill around, and we got pretty close a couple of times, but never quite mm -hmm. managed it. Yeah, and if we were to say at least favorite, I'm gonna buck the trend here. I don't remember its BOW name. I am simply going to call it the Bat Bastard. Oh, the uh, the first one. Yes. Oh, I'm curious about this yes. one. What is that one, Yuli? Oh, the the Popo Karimu. Po Popo Karimu. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I. That I, was a big puppy. I loved him. He was so cute. To me, he was easy. Oh, he was oh. super easy. I just like how he followed you around. <laughs> I always had trouble getting around the side of him and trying oh, to land the damage on his underbelly. And every t I'd get killed several times. I really did struggle. And it's same in this playthrough as well that I've just done. Struggle each time. Yeah, landmines are your best friend. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I didn't realize that until like my last attempt of this playthrough. So for ten years, I have been doing that boss fight wrong, guys. Yeah, that just means you're doing it the superior way. You're that much better for it. The Giga Chad way. Okay. The Giga yeah. Chad way. That. Thank you, gents. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, those are my picks. Carry on. Go ahead. I guess we can move right, on to the next right. question. Move on. Yep. Yes. Yes. Uh, hmm. uh, Silver, you want to read that one off? Yeah, sure. Give me one second to scroll down. Right. What was your least of what was your favorite and least favorite chapter within RE5? Hmm. Least favorite though, I said it, the gun turret, that's easy. I hate that chapter. Fuck it. Yeah, um, this, this goes I'm, into the boss thing again. Like my, my I, I don't want I don't want to choose it because you're stuck on rails. I really don't want to pick it. I mean, it takes away the... Okay, so obviously any tur any turret section is going to be somewhat unrealistic because, you know, this, this Jeep does not have infinite ammo, but that really just took me out of it. It's like, oh, I'm no longer playing this on my computer. I'm playing this in an arcade in Japan. Oh, lovely. I just despise that chapter compared to all the other ones, at least. Uh, but favorite, you know, though, that's honestly a hard one. You know, I hard. me personally, I didn't like... Uh... The chapters, uh, chapter three, one, three, two, three, three. Because I never, first of all, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just my preference, but I could care less about the out and like the setting in that area. But also, I never really cared about Irving, Carter Irving, that much and the whole rails thing. So, I mean, you're talking about tough. the um village, we um, the water, village yeah, you, well, you, the, the like, the, yeah, the swamp kind of like where you also, you know, the alligators yeah. and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never really cared for it too much. I mean, but it's not to say that, you know, I mean, compared to the whole game, I mean, it's okay, but just least out of everything, yeah, just chapter three in general, I didn't enjoy it. And like I said, I, I didn't really care for uh, Ricardo Irving that much, mm -hmm. so understandable. Hmm, I, I might have to agree. The the hunt for Irving just 
it didn't feel as compelling to me because it's like he, the most you know is he's an arms dealer he's in cahoots with uh tricell after that after you find that whole chapter his motivation is just lacking it just seems like he's just your signature lackey and again and he wants to inject a virus into himself to stop chris and sheva and uh they could have did a lot more with that character so i guess story-wise that's where it sort of slows down a lot it doesn't pick up again like he's goofy sure i the fireworks line is so fucking funny but uh i i feel as though story-wise it doesn't really pick up until you start to get that revelation that jill is like still alive and then afterwards you go to the wesker stuff like the back half of the game is where the most interesting stuff sort of occurs i would say and it has the most interesting set pieces but the beginning outside of the village and when you start to go after irving it's a little bit boring so i would say that's like my least favorite part of the game and the mines are a little bit annoying but after that i say after chapter three is where things start to get really intense and i really like i think my favorites are like chapter five because it really starts to throw everything at you you got to really know the mechanics of the game and you really get the most best upgrades in the magnum from there once you are in the wesker chapter so that's what i really like that lightning hawk you know what um to add to this though like if i had to borrow out that particular chapter that all was still like though i would say the refinery was probably my least favorite because uh it ironically it goes by a little too fast that you couldn't even enjoy it plus some of the air set pieces there kind of feel a little weird that you had to drive through on under all these um pipes or whatever now could you just take another, another direction you know yeah, and i felt like that location just or... built weird you know so i don't care for much for that spot um i mine's probably slightly out there i guess but i actually think chapter one one i personally is one of my favorites of the game and it's just purely it's just purely i mean the, the actual start of it's like it's okay it's fine it's purely for the standoff um at, at the village it, it, to me it's just got a bit of everything you have your cinematics of obviously everything that's going on you've got the craziness of seeing or the executioner and all that stuff and and then you've got the actual standoff itself which is pretty chaotic but it's not overwhelmingly unfair unless you're playing professional in which case it's absolutely disgustingly brutal um but i i think it's i think it's a fantastic opening to the game almost all things being equal um even though you have to work you have to play just a little bit just to kind of get there once you get to the actual standoff at the end of chapter one i think it's a fantastic section i don't really see what yeah as far as what resident evil what they were going for is concerned like that to me that's it in a nutshell surely i agree with that like Okay, right, so this this is something I'm biased on when it comes to Resident Evil. I think smaller scale is better, and I get we've talked about Resident Evil Five, like you know the scale is huge, but just being in that one town in the beginning and being like, oh, there's zombies, oh god, and like that first initial, all you have is a pistol and a knife. I think yeah, it's a really fun segment. Yeah. So when you, you do get to the there's execution, there's a chainsaw guy. You know, objectively we could be like, well, that's not the biggest upgrade in the world, but in the moment you're like, oh god, oh. Yeah, because you're still in the part of the game where you're not you're not well equipped. You don't have enough ammunition. Like you can't fight everything. You just, it's just not possible. You're not well. in a position of everything, so you kind of have to like you you if you know what you're doing, you can. But especially the first time you played the game, like you just like you're basically in survival mode and just running around this village like chaotically, 
um, with no real idea of what you're trying to do, and you're just desperately trying to hold off hold off everything that's going on, which ironically is about as old school Resident Evil as you get in the entire game. Yeah, I was going to say. Later, you have enough different kinds of guns where if you're put back in there, you just be like, blam, done. All right, let's go. Yeah, exactly. But you haven't got to that point first, so it's uh, it still retains that initial impact to me. Yeah, I was going to say, this. Uh, that section of tension, when it comes to like New Game Plus users, that's when people just start turning around and that whole fleet of Magini that you couldn't kill earlier, they just start punching them. I'm like, it's a slight exception to that rule. Yeah, I yeah. did a little bit of new game plus because um I couldn't find where to like make a brand brand new save file. So I was like, well, I guess I just got all this gear and I should have just banked all of it. Oh well. And I just went in and, and like when you have a pistol that's fully upgraded that holds however many bagillion rounds, it's like this isn't quite as threatening as it was last time I played. No, it's not. Mm. But I, I think I think it's a bit unfair to judge some of these chapters on new game plus. Of course, uh, of course. I think you have to put a lot more weight into your initial one. And for me, like it just set the scene of what this game was gonna be. You'd had your little tension, your bit of plot, your little intrigue of what was going on, and then you find this massive horde of people. They've just executed someone right in front of you, and now they're all coming for you. And you're like, well, this this is probably not gonna end well. I'm actually gonna well, partially disagree with you, Shadow, on something though. I think New Game Plus should also take into account how you enjoy a chapter as well, because you can approach it differently because you started experience it before and you know you come better equipped, right? So, like, chapter one, for example, right? Sure, the first time around, you can handle that situations, though. But second time around, though, I feel more confident and prepared to handle, most situ- handle all situations at hand. So, I can, you know, just go in, bang, 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 and call it a day, right? I do like that, you know, just going in and shooting up the whole chapter. It, it's I'm just not, honestly fun. That's I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying that it shouldn't count at all. Uh, I think there should be more input put in the first one. But even for that section, when you go bit to it later on and you have this super weaponry, and you're much more ready for an actual fight, it changes the context of it, because now, first time you were just running around chaotically, now you can actually fight back at them, and it has that bit of originality to them, which is still dangerous, because there's still a lot of dudes, and there's still the executioner, and he will beat your ass, if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, welcome to like my... initial. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, welcome to my uh, infinite RPG, <laughs> but it, it yeah. does change the context, <laughs> so I do agree Pretty with that. Much. Whereas everything else, like the first time you approach it, you're already in all guns blazing mode and trying to kill everything. So there's nothing new to be had the second time when you're even more well equipped to fight it. The first one, at least it's different because you couldn't fight it properly in the first place. But initial realization versus a power trip and, you know, coming yeah. in with a proper briefing and equipment. Exactly. Yeah. Is it possible to defeat the executioner on a fresh new game without expending a significant amount of time and ammunition yes you can use the environments to your advantage with that yeah, so, yeah the, there are there are tricks to it you can be in like there's plenty of barrels if you're playing with a person you can get some co-op like melee chains on him you can do a decent amount of damage but it is still pretty it's not easy um, at the best of times and of course you're not fighting him in isolation you've got like eight to ten other Majini that are trying to kill you at the same time and they're the real issue and he just like consistently as well yeah yeah and and he's not so dangerous on himself it's the fact that they'll mob you and they'll like get hold of you and then he will come in and do the damage that's the issue well there's also um like that's also speaking from like no experience so i was able to do it the first time when i started a new game on like different platform but there's also the smg there as well which can rack up something power so you can always use that as well to take out the little guys use your pistol for you no know, since it has more something power on the on the big guy use the environments and go in and kill them it's 
once you get the flow down on how the chapter works, so you can actually kill him and also deal with all the enemies. Just, yeah. It just comes out with experience at the end of the day. But as opposed yeah, to just... the panic of the mob coming at you and you just, and you like just throwing everything, just trying to survive, which is not yeah. unusual. I was just uh, I was curious because I haven't actually beaten the executioner probably more than twice i'd say so i just wanted to gauge a few other people's it's, opinions on if it's yeah. doable it's doable but it's probably not worth the effort is the problem mm, um, I know I'll say, if you want that early money i'll say try but again like yeah. for some plan then don't struggle don't let me try it yeah it's, 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 confident? it's not worth it and to be honest like you get a decent you get a half decent amount of cash out of it but you're kind of then you're kind of semi-ish crippling your immediate future, anyways, and it's just like, eh. The ring he drops is worth about like five grand, right? Yeah, yeah, at the time, five grand can get you another weapon. Yeah, five grand yeah. is not bad at the time, but uh, it's mm. not highly worth it, I don't think. And um, just adding in here, I'd actually my favorite chapter. I'm gonna be well. Out of the out out of the the scope of answers we've had so far, I like the chapter when you're going fresh into the marshlands and you have to get the three different plates from the three different areas that then leads into the village. I liked how you were going around on the um the little hovercraft and one part has alligators in it, another is like a little raised up section and another bit is like in a little area of the village with a few little chickens running around. And then the bit where you actually go into the, the central village area proper and you have that big wave fight, just like full of Magini and the two big tribal dudes with the yeah, massive... Yep, yep. I enjoyed that more than Four's village section. I really do enjoy that bit quite a, quite a lot. So Yeah, yeah I know, really honestly, I mean, which one that one? Because it honestly gives off a different mood there, right? Everything's so quiet until it actually happens. But like I, I enjoy it though. Like just going cruising down the um, stream, then you got guys with flaming arrows starting shooting at you. Like it has a yeah. different mood from the whole game before and afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I also kinda like the tragic backstory of the villagers in this section where you find out that they were just an isolated tribe until you see that they are all infected and I, I thought that was kind of eerie at first where it's like their skin is all blue and their face is just all like sort of contorted and everything and then Sheva remarks on uh the tribe and how they were lost to the virus so you you kind of get an idea of Uroboros affecting the landscape when you get to this portion of the game like nature itself is going downhill as opposed to just the urban areas i definitely can get that yep if you read the diary in the village as well what tricell does to those poor people is really quite dreadful they they persuade them that it's pretty much a vaccine to help you know to help them fight against illness when they're literally it putting putting the virus into them and treating them as guinea pigs and it's, yeah. it's an awful thing to take advantage of people like that so yeah. it's funny if they're isolated no one's really yeah. talking to them they don't want to talk to anyone else who's gonna notice when they all turn into horrible man-eating monsters yeah it's mm. quite it's quite an old school blast of resident evil actually some of those documents yeah yeah it is it is have we have we talked about least favorites yet just heard uh 
Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll just add mine in because it's going to be very very much out there, so I I might as well. The last chapter, the last chapter, where you're going specifically, specifically (laughs) the yeah the bit where you're going through the ship. You've got the reapers and the two mini gunners. It's hell for me every time, and I just don't find a great deal of satisfaction in in being mobbed from all sides by by guns and explodey things and giant cockroaches with like death scythe hands and yeah it did not work for me i do remember by the end of that not so much a feeling of like i did it but just like i wanted to curl up in a ball like mostly beaten to death like okay i made it now what yeah yeah, you got war scars now like oh my god i'm actually yeah Yeah, I, I don't think I could agree. Like, I, I like the chaos of it. Like, whereas, like, say six one, and initially when you're kind of just cruise, you know, obviously the idea is you're trying to infiltrate the tricell ship, but to me that was a little bit plodding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's it's kind of to, to each their own. That and All it right. was just um just the factor of Sheva's AI. I'm going to add that in here. Sheva's AI made it an an exercise in in misery. And I had a bunch of people in my chat winding me up about it, saying Sheva's AI is the true enemy. I'm like, thank you guys, thank you. I honestly didn't have as much problems with her. Like, I think the I think the biggest sin she ever committed was I picked up a red herb, and then I saw like, oh, she picked up a green one. Good, she can give it to me, and then I can. She just uses it immediately yeah. as I have the red herb in my hand. It's like, what? what yeah. Why? Why? Why did you? Yeah. Do that? <laughs> but otherwise, exactly. I honestly think Sheva did a is okay. Real quick, is it Shiva or Sheva? It's Sheva. 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 It's Jacket. All right. Like, I honestly thought Sheva was a pretty good. You know, obviously, a person would always be better, but um, in terms of just an AI, I think she was a pretty damn good companion. I. Was, but uh, I before, definitely get when she gets annoying, though. All right. Before we move on, though, I want to say this though. I feel like the hate on Shava is honestly so misplaced because it's the AI, not the character, fault for it. Yeah, Chris oh, can also great. Yeah, yeah, Chris can also be pretty dumb as well in sections. He'll do the same shit. So, yeah, exactly. It's just the AI, though. But you know, people unfortunately, you know, like the freaking brain cells to freaking realize that it's the AI. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, not the like, character. It's the AI. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that being anyway, said, let's I, move on. Yeah, that being said, just real quick on the AI, I just, I mean, sometimes I don't have a problem with it, and other times I do. I just simply use her as a pack mule for certain things. Obviously, she's yeah. gonna go around and pick up everything anyway, but when it comes to health items, I'm like, okay, give me that now because I know the first thing that's gonna happen is you are going to use it and I am going to be in big shit if you use all my health items. Uh, so I, t- I take those and then I just give her ammo and then as support, she's going to run around and try to use all that up and I'm like, okay, well, I'm good because either I have an infinite weapon or I have enough ammo to deal with this situation. So that's kind of how I treat it. When you- Once you treat her as a pack mule and and you try to take the health items away from her just randomly using it, then it gets a little bit easier that way. It's you know, Capcom should have no Capcom should have done though. It should have the option to customize your AI to be either aggressive, defensive, supportive, or balanced. That would have remedied a lot of issues, potential issues is with true, AI yeah. using up healing items or using up all the ammo, wherever the lingo people like to use for yep. um, the AI. That would at least um, help 
you know, damper, that kind of stuff. It just gave us options to, you know, stabilize the AI to whatever path you want. Like a Fallout style, like stay close to me, stay away from me, use range, use me, like that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah essentially. I, I will say from personal experience, giving Sheva either like the MP5 or later on the assault rifle and just having her on attack mode, like I actually found she was not that bad at all. Um, in fighting, she was like pretty serviceable. Um, I will throw in, especially the assault with the the um the the assault rifle later on. You give her a ton of ammo and just say go have a party. Like you know, the the one thing AI can do is they can shoot shit from a long way away and be pretty accurate at it. So you, you got to play into their strength. Oh yeah, the best weapons to give her would give the AI would that would be the sniper, the Magnum, because no range on my weapons, the shotgun, or the um SMG or. Yeah, so rifle for me was was the was the way to go for her. Um, I always I always found she was actually pretty pretty effective with that. So, giving her the one taser wand or whatever the thing's called too, like surprisingly <laughs> effective. Yeah, she, she just weapon. gets stuck in. She's just like, eh, well, I, my life doesn't matter. Let's just have a crack at them. And yeah, it's like she wasn't that bad. Time for that one. segue into the seven. Also, go ahead. Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, we are talking about one. weapons. Yeah, one consistent thing I I did notice, and this will inadvertently tie into weapons a tiny bit, with something Red Ren just said there. Attack and support wasn't enough. I noticed attack was fine. Every time I had her on support, she would literally crouch just behind my back and shoot into my back, as opposed to trying to shooting the enemies in front of me. She did Trying that to make a lot. your bullet resistant. Blah, blah, blah. I had she the opposite effect. On attack, yeah. she just ran around and wasted everything, but she straight too far. And I think during the section where uh, Chris is on the boat and uh, you're supposed to get off and uh, activate these panels where, you know, Josh says, uh, another pipe, get down. Uh, she yeah. ran way too far away. The turret guy got her, and then I had to run and save her butt. So. Uh, there are times where it is efficient, and then there are times where it really is not. Uh, can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Josh spelled another A N O D. I'm pretty sure he said it with a D in there. <laughs> he wasn't saying another. No, nothing against him. It's just. It's just the way he said it. Always he, he was adorable. Josh is like one of my favorite characters in the Resident Evil series. He's great entertainment, but the way he said some stuff of the game was hilarious. Another pipe, right. get down. So that is another down. pipe. <laughs> Yeah. So, Alright, uh, I'm gonna read this off real quick. Um let's talk about weapons and arsenal. Do you think Resident Evil 5 handled this um well or pro- poorly, especially with the real time inventory system? Uh so honestly, I feel like Resident Evil 5 along with 4 handled the weapons probably the best in the series. Because they're like all weapons to a certain degree, because there's always gonna be a hierarchy with weapons. No, that's that's gonna happen. But uh I think I feel like they handled all the weapons pretty well. That all weapons have some form of use for after a while, especially with a special upgrade to get them, like whether it be critical, piercing, ammo capacity, you name it. Each weapon will have something that will fit tailor your playstyle, barring you know some of the oddest weaker weapons in contrast to the other weapons. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely yeah. agree with that. Something that like really. So when I initially started playing, I was like, oh god, all these like all these weapons and ammo, and I was like having issues trying to figure them out. But when I hit two realizations of first. Like, weapons of one type should go to she- uh, Sheva, and weapons of one type should go to me, so that way whenever we get ammo, I know who to give it to. And then on upgrades, focusing on um, ammo capacity to help free up more space for more ammo and stuff, 
I think that mm -hmm. really helped me like get used to every single weapon, how to use it, because I had the room to work and play with them, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, having having played Pitney Resident Evil beforehand, you know, it, it's another one of those. There wasn't a lot of change. It was the same sort of general idea, but I I never had any issues with the with the the fighting or, or any of the weapons in the game. They all sort of felt impactful enough. They all did their own jobs. There was little niches for some of them here and there. Uh, you know, the grenade launcher obviously got expanded, all these various different ammo types, which I thought was a little, maybe a touch unnecessary, but I had nothing against it. Yeah, I, I always thought it was... Um, it's I'm great glad you run out of space did. and then it's annoying. Yeah, like, I'm glad they did, too, though, but it's, it is an ammo hog. No, it was something that I'm sort of glad they kind of rectified and Resident Evil 3 remake, though, but at the same time, it's still an ammo hog, but yeah, more space. But it's not the point, though, like, I like that you can like cycle out different types of animals, whatever, without having to use like a physical um, grenade. But the problem is that you will run out of space really quickly if you don't have a pretty well upgraded weapon that can hold a lot of ammo inside this um, magazine. So yeah, that, that can get a little annoying. Yeah, I suppose. But other than that, like that's, I think it's a minor thing in the grand scheme of it. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of sheer scope and variety of weapons, this game absolutely knocks it out of the ballpark. It's definitely got, at least from my observation, one of the most diverse like array of weapons across the board compared to every other game. And it's like was said just a moment ago, they are indeed situational. They can be tailored to any situation whatsoever. I just had one gripe with the um with the slightly lacking inventory space compared to obviously say four. I didn't like every single grenade taking up an individual slot because I I'm one of those people that always uses a grenade to get out of a situation. It's uh, it's habitual in my more action oriented Resident Evil playthroughs. So to have the the slightly more limited options by proxy of the way the ammo system and the you know that kind of thing works that was my downside but i feel like in terms of what they offer you and with sheer quantity of weapons you can always find something to to adapt your play style to so that's just my take on it anyway anybody feel similarly no, no, I think you're on um, honestly spot on for it though, because they do give you way too little inventory space. Even if it's between two people though. Uh, if you're playing mm -hmm. with a second player though, like they have their own inventory space, so you can't take advantage of that. You no, know, because you know, it's their spot, right? Whereas if you play the AI, you know, you do what you want with it. Honestly, what it should really done is loves the option to at least expand the inventory slot. Or at least don't let grenades, for example, take up a um a you know like a spot. Like has have his own unique little corner where you go store grenades and they throw it as a throw you know yeah. it got worse when you're like when you decided to um like the armor that takes up inventory slots as well like yes, that just yes, exacerbated the problem even more and all i could do was sit there and say like i just want my guy in the hoodie with the what you buying just give me a briefcase give me just a few more inventory slots and life would have been so much better yeah mm -hmm. that's definitely 18 slots between two characters it's not a lot in the grand scope of things it sounds really like not. a lot at first but then you're like oh every, each person needs a gun each person needs backup ammo each person needs health and then it's all gone before you know it yeah yeah those Very key components point. will pick up slots quickly which only leaves you probably around two maybe one you know slot available for something else like a free space but even then still like 
you have really got to be careful how you punt around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so um, I guess we can move on to number eight, and if we got any more statements for seven. Uh, just just real quick, I want to say that God, I love the stun rod so much in the Hydra. Just such great weapons to use all around in my opinion uh obviously there are some guns that i'm not too fond of like i think that the big box gatling gun can be a little bit annoying because it blocks half the screen but i feel as though the weapons in this game were done readily well it's it's a little bit um challenging when you get into mid game but once you start like getting more items and treasures and upgrading as you go along i i thought they were really well done compared to re4 i think i think both games really did a good job at upgrading and managing weapons and how they're used efficiently oh yeah right, I, like, I, I, I feel I, like i yeah i was gonna say i feel like i probably officially owe the Sunrod an apology for thinking it was complete trash for about 15 years Dude, or so. It's so good. Uh, and then in the base handgun run, we allowed using stun rods, and I was like, ooh, it actually isn't too bad. Alright, uh, I, I would say this is all for the Gatling gun. Like, sure, it just block a good chunk of your screen if, uh, you know, you have bad movie, but it protects your back, and it's infinite ammo. So, like, I can at least forgive that one cent for those um, other two um, great attributes. True, I just wish it was like, you know, Heavy Metal Chris, where they kind of fixed it in a way, where it's like he slouched over and it's easier to see. Right. Still a cool gun overall and, and everything else, but we can move on. I wanted to add this, though, since you mentioned your favorite weapon, right? What is your favorite weapon or weapons in Resident Evil 5? Damn. Mm. Hydra, Hydra is, definitely Hydra is a good shout. Like, it is hard to say the Hydra. The Hydra, it's it just as pure gameplay is, like, unbelievably great. Pure testosterone-inducing when you use it with Chris and um, Wesker. Yeah, just, just one-handed is, like, it's hard not to hard not to be impressed with that. That gun is I'm amazing. I'm biased, and I'll say the uh, sniper rifle and just the assault rifle. It's I love turning Wait, which into one? a point. At any of them, yeah. honestly. Like, yeah. I'm pretty okay. simple that the way. But yes, the ability to turn the game into a point-and-click adventure. Just be like, duk, 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 duk. Okay, they're all dead. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, PSG 1 for me, I, I just kill that thing. And I love the auto-fire as well, as opposed to the bolt action. So I, I would say mm. that gun as well. Um, yeah. yeah. That's also an example of, like, gun hierarchy. Like, there's no point using the bolt action when the, um, the PSG can literally do the same thing, pop heads free. And, and is, uh, has a, a magazine. Yeah, so, like, no point using the, the bolt action. Yeah, but you don't go hunting with, like, a freaking PSG one. You go hunting with an S75. Oh, uh, you, you bet? Style. <laughs> it's style, you know. Snake, you found when a PSG die, one? I want them to know that I could have had a better weapon, and I went down to their level just to mess with them. I mean, I will say it's definitely not like any of the shotguns. I honestly don't think the shotguns were actually that great in Resident Evil 5, which is a shame because in Resident Evil 4, they, I think they were pretty good. But I mean, if nothing else, think... they make a great get off me button. I'm that was like, about it. Give me some yeah. room and then you move and do like, whatever. Like the, the M3 was fine. Obviously, we took the Hydra, it's amazing, but the Hydra you didn't really see that like, he was mainly a mercenary weapon. But as far <laughs> as general campaign, like, the M3 was like okay. But other than that, I didn't really like any of the shotguns, to be honest. Ah. Uh... Okay, hold on. Um, there's actually one gun in particular that stands out for... I think it actually might be the M3 because of this headshot. 
Oh, yeah, the, the M3 is probably when it's fully upgraded is is pretty good, but other than that, it's like eh. I yeah. You, you might have a point though. Shotguns are definitely a downgrade though, but mine's a hydro because that weapon is just bossed. I didn't use many of the shotguns myself, but one thing that saw consistent usage throughout and has done in successive playthroughs for me is the MP5 submachine gun you get fairly early on. Mm-hmm. Once once that thing is quite heavily upgraded, what I tend to do with it is um, stockpile as much ammo as possible, make sure it's nice and well upgraded, lots of piercing on it, and it becomes an effective room sweeper when tidy with a lot of... Um, just pure crowd control of like, all right, we're going to get yeah. them all in one hallway. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Tie in some melee attacks for the stragglers. Give give people the old Chris Redfield right hook. Clear the room. Feels very good. It does feel satisfying. Feels good, so, man. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, well, I guess we can move on then. Duff, is here? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, okay, making sure. Uh, uh, you want to read up number eight? Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about the main lore and arc that Chris Redfield goes through in Resident Evil 5 with the reappearance of Wesker, Tricell, Spencer's death, and the plan to saturate the world. Oh, I would say world, right? How do you think it was all handled? This includes talk about the new characters as well. Um, this is actually huge. Uh, <laughs> wow, quite a bit, a lot in one question. Um, I'll pick one specific portion of this uh, question. I'll let you guys go through it. But um, what my favorite thing about this whole question is the fact that we got to see Spencer, right? I mean, I think this was the first and only time where we actually got to see him, right? And the whole series, mm-hmm. um, besides the loss of nightmares. But um, yeah, like I like the fact that we finally got to see Spencer. I mean, the big baddie who was one of the create um founders of Umbrella. And uh, we got to see from his butler's point of view, like the diary and see like kind of almost like his last days before he died from Wesker's hands, literally, you know, so um, anybody else want to take a crack at this? Yeah, no, I, I, I would say I, I agree. Uh, I think the the Spencer stuff is very interesting. It's a it's a it's a cool insight into like the backstory of Umbrella, and there's a lot of kind of uh, we've known Umbrella to be this whole kind of um, I wouldn't say omnipotent force, but obviously it's been a major storyline device, ever present throughout the entire series. So it's nice that in a game that's like what nearly 15 years after the first one came out they're still managing to add in these little extra details in the background and the and spencer who if you've read the files and you're aware of the game and the story you kind of already you sort of ish know about him but you've never don't know much it, yeah it's very very cool so um, to bring up oh sorry yeah no okay, go on. to bring up a lore question you know this is something because i'll admit i don't have the best understanding with with it so spencer is one of the people who started umbrella right but it was basically yeah. yes. his goal to like i'm going to design the ultimate life form and become it so that i can surpass god and we will be the next stage of evolution and you know albert my good old boy that probably was abused he, he's doing real good at that good at this so all the other people who start up umbrella were they just like ah he has his god complex in the corner i'm, I'm just gonna focus on making money and oops, I just went Africa. Well, no, he was. He, that's what they always slowly, wondered about. He was slowly eliminating um, the other guys that were involved in yeah. Umbrella. So right, that was a trick. 
Yeah, I'm just imagine you like one other chair on that board meeting. Like, okay, so Mr. God Complex is here, and there used to be ten of us, and now there's four. Uh, yeah, it, it's a little complicated. It's been further, I guess, I wouldn't say muddy, but it has been added to further with Resident Evil Village, which goes even further back into Oswald Spencer. Um, uh, and how he how he met like uh, James Marcus and um, stuff like that. Uh, the Ashfords in his original uh, meetings with them and uh, before Umbrella even existed. I think it was founded. Forget when it was meant to be founded, like in the mid sixties. I think it yeah, nineteen sixties. 60-something like that. 64. I'm sure it's 64. 60-something, anyway. Mm. So, it, it, you know, and it's kind of interesting. And obviously, it's it's the typical umbrella. Obviously, the power plays and people trying to manipulate everyone else and trying to, like, take soul possession, the sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, you had to introduce him somewhere. And I think Resident Evil 5 was a good shout, you know, of this man who's obviously... He's as crazy as all the rest of them, but is unfortunately bound by his own mortality, uh, much to his own disgust. And he's done all these crazy and disgusting and you know horrendous things to try and get past it. But you're seeing a man who openly has lost his fight uh, before really losing his fight. What greater motivator is there to discover immortality than oncoming death? It's a bit of a trope, but it's a real one that actually <laughs> happens. So yeah, it's once, not like too far out there. Once he was betrayed by Alex Wesker, I don't think there was anything else he could do. His one shot for immortality was just gone out the window. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely. Well, actually, what in the butler's diary, right? Like, like you said, once uh, Alex Wesker's betrayal, like the last resort he had was to locate Albert Wesker, right? And that's where the butler found him. Yeah, yeah, and then I mean that was a huge mistake on his part. And going back to, I mean, like, yeah, he was one of the three founders, but I think they all had a kind of like a similar vision. They all wanted like a eugenics kind of uh, like world, right? best human race whatever but they went about it in their own separate ways and then you know their own plot lines eventually one got jealous of the other somebody's getting more power and took each other out or tried to at least and then in the end it was just spencer by himself Mm. so i I thought that was a great i mean this background lore of the umbrella corporation founders and seeing this in re5 i i i really liked it I, i really really did yeah, the, the the great thing of well, especially of Umbrella, is for his omnipresence has been throughout the series. It's always been very vague as to mm. how it exactly exists in its actual history. So you've always been able to just add in little bits of information here and there as the the plot demands and sees fit, and it never really kind of like interferes with itself because it's this big, massive organization that's had got all mm. these crazy links everywhere. So a lot of it, at least in the game's law, is actually quite believable. Um, yeah, so it kind of works to the game's benefit. So yeah, and Spencer was a good way of kind of tying that up and being like the figurehead of it. Um, and he also, of course, really represented like the end of Umbrella as well. You know, obviously he ran mm-hmm. it all. Um, and you know, you physically witnessed on screen when Wesker killed him. Like this is Umbrella as you knew it. This is it. It's over. It, he was the last bastion, and Wesker himself has kind of just wiped it out, both figuratively and literally. Because in in a way. You kind of see that when they are out in, is it Russia, taking down the last Umbrella facility? That that would have really been like the last big chance Umbrella had to bounce back from a law perspective. Say, for example, if they had failed or it hadn't have gone as well. But then when you see Marcus, he is an individual. 
is also in a sense like a representation of the the company in a sense a a dead empty shell of something that barely exists anymore that's on its last legs no yeah. longer mm. yeah i mean also we got to take into account um the amount of lore behind like from the uh in resident evil 5 is that they we kind of had like the background of where they found the progenitor virus right and how tricell umbrella and like how the founders you know figured out hey this is where we could start like the whole t-virus thing right yeah and uh yeah and there was uh, there was a ton of lore I, I read through every single one of them like in the files uh and you even get to uh explore like a guy named Braden bailey he was like a, one of the protégés of i think it was uh, james marcus right and funny enough he'd be he's actually one of the founding members of the connections right now we haven't really explored upon in resident evil village yeah, and you, resident man. evil 7 so i think resident evil 5 lore wise had a lot a lot a lot of it and i mean it wasn't presented to you up front but if you really did take your time to read every single file and everything miscellaneous even outside the games i love how everything is interconnected within this just one game and how this spot this area like in the indipia tribe area like this was the start of everything. Yeah, yeah see, like, the stuff like that is the reason why I say like Resident Evil Five is like, you know, by lore and by nature, is so Resident Evil in contrast to say Resident Evil um Four, for example. That game is such a disconnect right. in the lore of things on like Five. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it continues on everything um that was established in the previous games on top of adding more stuff and adding more context. Yep, and mm-hmm. you could you could so, even argue that this story sets up all the preceding events after this so i'm talking like revelations 2 re6 naturally stuff like that this story just leads to more of the bioterrorism shenanigans on the black market and also Mm -hmm. uh, it establishes a lot of stuff that was in the past so we talked about the flowers being the center of everything and the origin of the virus a lot of people sleep on that they don't look at that critically but this place is where the entire series actually started them getting this flower well yeah (laughs) them getting this flower but it's still like super important them getting this flower and then you know producing all these crazy and wacky monsters that you will come to know at least in the first game and onward um so i i think that is definitely something that cannot be slept on at all and uh four feels a lot more self-contained isolated compared to this game in particular where it's like they're opening the floodgates for the villains the characters and all of the lore within the entire series also too i feel like Oh, sorry, real quick, real quick. I feel like it's also a good closing to that saga that was established since Resident Evil 1 opened up a new, you know, saga for future um, installments too, like yeah. you mentioned. This, this is also the end of uh, Chris versus Wesker, the the mm-hmm. famous rivalry that started at the end of Resident Evil 1. Mm-hmm. That, um, um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say Thanks. quickly, um... Five's law actually has even more importance now because it's even been linked up with current day canon events with eight or village 
pretty much mm -hmm. it's referenced that despite its importance a lot of the experimentation that came from the progenitor virus ended up after a certain point hitting a brick wall and to some degree was a failure which then led marcus to romania in where where the events of eight are tied in and everything goes full circle so that law element there still holds weight to this day it's um uh, i, um, I think um yeah going to that point from what i understand i think uh spencer went to the village first and uh got his ideas from mother miranda and then that's how he got inspired right and then he found the virus that would help him become the so-called god that he wanted to be and uh and also what you guys said about like uh this was a start and um i'm talking about the flowers so of what was called the stairway to the sun right is yes. that what it was called like the, yes yeah um isn't it i kind of ironic like i mean in the end Wesker, this form of Wesker, like the superhuman Wesker, was pretty much what these Indipia warriors would be when they consumed that flower, if they were selected, right? Or if their DNA matched with the flowers that they were able to consume it. Pretty much Wesker is kind of like the end product and what you what you would have been able to see, you know? And, um, and, it's, and again, irony here is the fact that uh, Spencer wanted to be this almighty being, but yet his own creation wesker right albert wesker would be the one to kill him in the end so i i just found that really fascinating um like i said the lore the the flowers the progenitor virus the steps the steps how these founders you know found it and uh how they try to cultivate it in their own separate ways we got uh spencer with the uh, spencer and marcus with a t virus and then you got the ashfords with a t veronica virus it was it's really it's it's a great lore to really explore if somebody really had the time to try to get into it I have yeah. a side question mm -hmm. real quick. Mm -hmm. What's up? Mm -hmm. Uh so the Wesker children, what do you guys think about yeah. that whole arc they established in the files of RE5? I, I wish we could see more of it though, because we only it's get interesting as a build up to yeah. the like the two that we see of Alex and Albert to see like, oh, even if they're failed experiments, it would be interesting to see what were they as failed yeah. experiments. It I has mean, a payoff. It does. It does i mean in the end product i mean we did see i mean it was a, a success if you really think about it i mean wesker was the success project of that eugenics program I'm, i mean spencer wanted the project w right what did he do he got like a whole bunch of children from a, above average iq parents and they never specified how many but in the end they whittled it down as they grew up to like 13 candidates and then they gave them another pro, uh experimental uh progenitor virus strain and he killed up pretty much all of them except two. But with Alex Wesker's case, like, you know, biologically, she was breaking down because of it. Yeah. Unlike, but Wesker actually got an enhancement from it. So that, yeah, I think. I agree. Like we say, it's assessed, like you just mentioned for Wesker's case, it builds a lot physically, right? But also like, um, in a way for Alex, though, it kind of, in a way, um, also worked against her because she was able to actually achieve like, you know, immortality but in a different way rather than you no know, in mm. a in a way like wesker in a way i guess and spencer tried to achieve it because you no know, and in, in revelations too in both endings she succeeded in um uh, transfer her mind yeah. into um natalia so like yeah she's also she also succeeded in the goal of immortality just in a different way mm -hmm. and yeah. you know what um actually spencer mentioned did uh did mention that between the two um alex and albert that alex was the one who would they were both smart like they were both virologists and whatnot but 
she knew that Alex was superior intellectual wise compared to Albert, but she just, but obviously the physical part was given to Albert. So they're pretty much like, you know, if the, if, if you Albert the same had, coin, kind of a correct, thing. like imagine if Albert had the same, like, you know, in, intellect as uh, Alex, I mean, you would see probably what, like, you know, God mode of Albert Wesker compared to what we saw. You know, I mean, superhuman Wesker. Yeah, that's... wear two trench coats and style on even harder. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was... That's kind of like a missed opportunity, too, in a way, because, like, think about it. If those two actually work together, they will cause a hell of a lot more damage than what they did separate. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything were to be, like, you know, if Albert took Alex's idea, like, if something were to happen to his physical body, he would just put his mind to another body, who I assume they would make another superhuman being... You know, like a replica of himself, right? This is what so, people but, speculated I mean, going forward. Like, um, they said they kind of want the idea of not only the superhuman side, but mm-hmm. what will happen if that is combo with the immortality? That would create probably one of the most dangerous metahumans on Earth for Resident Evil. So I, I hope they tap into that idea, but currently is in limbo because one thing... I kind of, I would say it's two things, actually. Two things I don't like about this storyline is, well, A, it's stuck on a cliffhanger, so we don't know what's going on with, like, Natalia. And B, uh, they kind of kill most of the other Weskers off. So even still, like, you see the cool Wesker children with Alex and Albert, but they decided to take the opportunity to say, hey, these others didn't make it. And I get it. Like, mm. they didn't survive the virus, but... They should have left that doorway open to say, hey, it's still like 13 Weskers running rampant out there. What are we going to do? Like, Mysteriously no, this just actually... likely dead and then just leave it at that. Yeah. No, this actually be a time for Capcom to do their magical retcon and nonsense like they do with all the games, right? <laughs> and just say like, there, there's some children that's still alive out there. Just they were confirmed dead on paper. Hmm. And that would probably be one way to, for them to like bullshit the way out of um, saying the other children died. Yeah, and that'll be also another way, just like the black market thing of continuing the series from there. Everyone could get their hands on the virus. That would be another way to establish different antagonists because currently, I would say Resident Evil's problem now is trying to find that superior big bad that is similar, equal to popularity or build up as Wesker. Uh, they had a lot of one-offs uh, in RE6 in particular, but they didn't reach that height or stature of Wesker even in this game. So uh, this is their current problem at the moment, in my opinion. Well, that's kind of a problem too, though. Like they always making one-offs rather than trying to make a character that can stand the test of time. Yeah, yeah. The only character that's not, well, theoretically not dead, no, is Nikolai going by the original Resident Evil 3. Because apparently yeah. he escapes in the canon. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, Natalia, technically, she's Alex Wesker now. I mean... Yeah, true, true, though. But that is, that's also kind of a wait and see in case, though, because they have, still haven't used her again, either, mm-hmm. since 2013 or whatever. So, like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. also going to be a wait and see. Mm-hmm. Kind of going along that same thought process, like, okay, I understand a big plot point in RE5 is... All right, Wesker says, I will now become as God and be better and, like, everyone's going to die and only, like, you know, the true or whatever will continue onwards, right? We talked about this a little bit when the the Netflix series Resident Evil trailer came out. I really do wish, you know, okay, Silver made the joke in the Discord, 4 is sadly a filler arc. I kind of like the smaller scale, take someone who is on the black market, 
buys the weapon legitimately and decides to use it to do one thing specifically like you know oh it's kind of off in the corner that we kidnapped the president's daughter but they had one goal and they executed on it so i think it would be interesting to instead of apocalyptic world event just expand on like surgical strikes and like how people respond to it i recognize mm-hmm. that's not necessarily re5 but that's something i do wish to see more of as opposed to like the world ending every single time but that's mm-hmm. me biased because i like smaller scale because i think it creates higher stakes in a lot of ways yeah so that's kind of going more to like re7 re village with the mold strain right and the connections i would say obviously re7 is a lot more isolated because it just happened at the bigger residence but and obviously in village it just it was isolated in the village region so but i mean from what we got i mean we know that the bsaa is it looks like it's compromised and they got I assume they got uh, samples of the mold strain, and this is something that will probably like spread around the world, like they've shown in both, like you know, RE6, RE5, and whatnot. So this is something that they could explore upon. Um, and uh, let's see, it'd make a great segue for like the different out, like the different uh, Project W children, whatever they're called. I'm bad at the lore. Hmm. It, it would make a great segue for them to come back, I think, because like yo, they don't want to make big names for themselves. They want the world to continue thinking they're dead. So what are they gonna do? Small things, puppeteering. Like, oh, we're not gonna destroy all of America. We're just going to mess with this in particular. Mm-hmm. This in particular. Uh, well, I think that's where the connections comes in. Like, you know, that organization per se hasn't been explored upon, and we covered it. That you know, Brandon Bailey, you know, protege of Mar- James Marcus. Like, you know, he was one of the founders of the uh, connections. So that needs to be explored. And uh, let me see. And obviously, the mold, they'd never explain, explain how the Megamycee even made it that way. And you know what? Since we're talking about, you know, we're in Lore and Spencer, isn't it kind of funny, too, that, you know, how Spencer got this idea from Mother Miranda of like this godhood or immortality? But in the end, we see Mother Miranda who outlived Spencer, right? Because of the mold strain. So if you really thought about it, like, he could have literally lived as long as Mother Miranda without even using the progenitor virus or even doing this eugenics program with Project W. So I'll admit some of that is on me because um, I've only barely started RE8. So you guys saying, uh, like, this is how Mother Miranda works. This is how the connections uh, work. I'm sitting here like, what? Oh, my God. What's going on? <laughs> All I know is that she's Jesus. What's going on? <laughs> So I'll admit that's on me. That's something that I don't no, no, know no, yet. No, I'm excited to go into it. And I hope they do explore that kind of aspects and build more on their lore. Because sure, fun little fun little isolated moments are great, but it's always good to see connections and how it all works. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a ton of lore. It's, I mean, it's, it's taking me, I mean, when I'm making my YouTube videos, because I explore a lot of lore, especially like with one particular character, it, it literally takes me around like 17 to 21 hours to make one video. Just because I'm reading through every single portion of the lore. You got your, gonna... you got your cork board and all the strings and being like, oh, this person oh, did no. this and this person did this. Actually, mm-hmm. no, it, it translates more into my script when I like, you know, I usually have like around like 18 to 21 pages, you know, of uh, script. And mm-hmm. I have to organize it in a way, outline it and uh, where it would kind of make sense to people. Like, you know, especially for people who are barely getting to the, um, you know, series, especially people like who barely started at RE4, then they went to RE5 and then they get this lore dump. And like, who's Spencer? What's this flower? Or, like, what was a T-virus? I mean, if you started at four, I mean, you don't really know much about the T-virus, right? I mean, you heard about the Umbrella Corporation, but it was briefly mentioned that it got dissolved, right? 
and you go to RE5, you're like, okay, well, why is this so important? Why is these flowers so important? Who's this Wesker guy? Why is he so important? You know, this is... why, why is this Spencer guy, like, looking for this Albert guy? You know, it, it's a lot of lore that, you know, um, if you didn't really take your time to actually go through every single file, you know, it's it will be, it, will, it is very overwhelming. Yeah, this is why I'm glad that, for the most part, they at least try to because they got to like five entries at this point so they knew by then uh doing this with the loading screens that they tried to make a summary of resident evil with mm -hmm. the history of resident evil i really evil. appreciate that yeah. yeah yeah they they at least tried to do this with saying hey we have events we have dates we're gonna try to summarize this as much as you can so you can know these background characters before mm -hmm. getting to this point um what people tend to do now is recap and say uh we're gonna try to sum up the rest of the series and try to get you up to speed to this point but uh, this is how Capcom did it, at least with RE5. They tried to make it where there are these personal files in the game where it goes from 1 all the way up to RE4. I mean, just the, the right choice. I, the I'd existence argue, of a basic so much to cover. Yep. There's just, yeah, there's just, there's, there's so much content to cover over the course of, what, like, about 13 years at that point? You've got four main entries. You've got many side entries. There's other stuff mm -hmm. as well. Like, uh, there's just so much ground to cover. I think doing it the way they did was about the best they could manage of a kind of a pretty unenviable task really yeah. basic yeah. timelines and summaries are always good just to like yeah. if, in case you're like me who gets confused because you're playing them one right after the other just be like all right stop this happened then this happened and because that this happened it's like okay got it we're good or they could have tried to do like a small like mini trailer like you know how an re village kind of give it like a small summarization of re7 right i mean but to put like Resident Evil Zero, one, two, three, then Code Veronica, and f like you know, I mean, I guess you could add four, but then put that before RE Five, you know, that's a lot to a digest. Lot going on. That's yeah. way too much. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest, they did a great job at it. As as I mean, not I mean, they did the best that they can do. It's a hard task, it, right? It's a big, it's a yeah. big thing to do. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that because I mean, going into it as a new player you're left wondering i mean yeah some people might say like oh man I, I need to go through the game and just like explore every single thing but if you're one of those people who are just like hey you know i just want to relax play resident evil 5 and just get over with but then you're wondering like who are these characters you know i mean why is this lore so significant you get what i mean like why hasn't anybody done anything about these viruses or ouroboros or this wesker guy i mean has nobody tried to kill this guy yet you get what i mean like you know so i mean but as uh who keeps giving that? umbrella these business licenses exactly <laughs> like i mean who who approved of this i mean why is the spencer guy still alive yeah Has I, nobody like tried to locate him I, I, mean, I guess the best you could say is they tried to kill him but fell miserably but even then that requires some setup too yeah but yeah. I mean, um I'm... real quick uh i i think we should move to the next one because yeah oh wait hold on though this one topic that we didn't touch on that we um started yes. earlier yeah, so right. Shadow, uh, I want you to actually like continue your point you mentioned earlier, or at least recap it, because uh, I might actually have a counter argument towards it. Yeah, it, it's with it. Yeah, mm. it's something that I I certainly felt at the time. Like now, I'm not entirely sure. But I I just remember at the time when I played this, playing 2009. Like I just didn't think that like the motives that Wesker was using and ultimately what he was actually trying to achieve just never felt 
particularly Wesker-like. Uh, it just felt a little bit too outlandish for someone who's always kind of historically kind of schemed in the background and whatnot. I mean, eventually, I guess you can't just keep doing that. You have to kind of break cover eventually. Um, but Wesker never seemed like the kind of guy who was like, let's just kill basically everyone on the planet. Uh, um, they are nothing but worms like, to me. See, this is the next step of evolution. Yeah, mm, like... Um, we know he's he's incapable of like incredible coldness, but th th there's a line, surely, isn't there? Oh, uh, his thing though. Like, I actually disagree with that notion. Why? Because you no, know, Wesker always had a god complex. Well, at least after on his um original appearance, because he was kind of a goofball, right? After they rebooted his character in Cold Veronica, though, he always had that complex of no superiority and whatnot, right? If he mm. wanted to continue Oswald's dream, though, he wanted to do it in his way. And he, in his eyes, you know, he sees Os Oswald's way as inferior. Like, why we need to pick cherry pick, right? Why not just, you know, do a clean sweep and let the strong thrive with the new um, virus he's trying to do, right? Now, I think part of that does come from him uh, as his first or final meeting with Oswald. And when he killed him, though, I think that's when Wesker finally went unhinged. And on top of that, you no know, Chris, once again, interfering with his plans. I think his, you no. Know, he just decided, and I said, fuck it, I'm going all out. I'm going all in. All, all hands on deck. There's... Yeah, I, the, the idea is, is that it's been sort of reasonably, for lack of a better word, sensible, and then Spencer tells Wesker, oh, by the way, you're, you're a test tube baby. That's kind of awkward, and that probably, I mean, like, if I was told that, I'd probably be sent over the edge as well, and be pretty upset about it, so... Mm. Um, I mean... I don't know. No, dude, you have zero emotional trauma, and then I don't, you use I, the emotional trauma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is Wesker? We just meant to accept him as 2009 Sephiroth, I guess. I mean, sure. Okay, he also didn't take it very well. Okay, here's the thing. There's actually some additional context to this. So, um, a lot of people get confused here at this point, where it's like, uh, Wesker was hunting for all these viruses, and then when we get to the point of RE5, he just decides to sell them, uh, to the black market for the highest bidder just because. Um, and I always thought that this was just due to Wesker being on top of the world at this point. Um, he already dissolved Umbrella by this point. Spencer was wiped off the map pre-2009 so at that point he really didn't have any other competitors outside of um rival factions and behind the scenes we don't know how that was a success or failure we just know that at that time wesker had a good amount of power had a good amount of connections and i just would likely assume that once his competitors were out of the way there was nothing else to do outside of just causing more schemes and making the world descend into more madness before ultimately settling on this uroboros plan as brandon said uh wesker killing spencer that probably gave him a bit more clarity as to okay it's time to fully enact on godhood and make other beings just like me if they aren't superior then they're going to be wiped off the face of the earth uh because they were saying with uroboros it selects who is going to be a god and who isn't you know that's true because remember when Excella got um well when she got infected by wesker with the Ouroboros? i mean you know what happens i mean if you're not selected you just become this tentacle blob monster right i mean she's fully convinced that like yeah i'm gonna be among the elite this is gonna be dope and then she wasn't yeah exactly mm -hmm. um but as you guys said i mean 
you guys summed it up pretty well. I mean, there was literally no more obstacles for Wesker. I mean, and we know the connections was already in prominence because remember, like they started the mold strain research in early 2000s. And funny enough, it was Wesker's um, organization, like his other organization, the HCF, that helped him try to you know research into the mold strain as well. So, so. Wesker had that on the side, but also he was also researching into the T. Veronica virus from, you know, where he got the samples from Steve's body, right, from Code Veronica. And now he has, he has uh, the connections with Tricell and the Ouroboros. So now he has he had everything like set up for finally just to enact all his plans. Like nobody could really stop him except plot armor, right, to be honest. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I guess the, the question... The question is, if he didn't do this, like, because eventually you have to wrap up the Albert Wesker arc eventually, is how do you mm. wrap it up, I suppose? And it has to be, com- I suppose it, it never it's going to be something completely over the top. Mm. Um, it's just, I remember at the time, I was not completely so, I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, I look at it now with more understanding and just being older, I'm like, yeah, like, I guess I get it. It's, I also, like, not as phased by this sort of thing as much, but I do remember at the time, I was, like, a little bit, I was like, I don't know. It's a bit comic booky to me. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like they could have done something else instead of just like you know, let's just wipe out ninety five percent of all humanity because I'm infected mm. and that makes me better than everyone. Doesn't that also? In better ways, it kind of was. Nope. <laughs> Doesn't that also kind of speak to human nature though? That like when you think you're on top of the world, you must find something else, something bigger to truly aspire to, and then in their downfalls, thinking or in their downfall is thinking that they are on top of the world, their pride gets them, their moxie gets them, and then mm. someone takes them down kind of a thing. Because he's like, you know, if we just take base Wesker, right? In many ways, he's already a god. He's already got everything he's ever won. But it's that greed, it's that pride that he wants more, and then mm. that opens him up to be taken down. Well, I right. probably agree this is Resident Evil. It is not thinking this deeply. Well, how's Umbrella a successful business <laughs> when they don't think this thing? Th- sorry, that that's a whole other rant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you take a right shadow too, but also in hindsight, though, like pieces do fall together too. So you know, but plus people interpret things differently. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely a new way of looking at it because like I always felt I'm I'm very similar to Shadow like this. I always felt it was a bit too much of a narrative jump. Not just narrative, but in terms of Wesker's character, because if you look at 4, he actually still has a purpose and a role in 4 behind the scenes, and you can clearly tell when he's got Ada out there that he's collecting viral samples for for the next step, and we can logically assume that the next step culminates in the end in the events that we see in 5, and that was a part of it, but... I I don't buy the argument, even though it is a fair justification, that it was just finding out his, you know, his true purpose of being from Spencer that made him flip, considering he was his normal, calm, calculating self. Come yeah. four, and then by, by well, five, I, it's... I, I disagree it with that, too. From the, yeah, I think it stems from the fact that now he knows the truth of Spencer, because the only reason why he kept him alive that long. Like, he needed answers clarity stuff like that right mm-hmm. and once he got in that though he had no use for him at that point which is why he decided to you know fine gg it's yeah. over you're done yeah and, and i can definitely i can definitely see it like i said i think it just comes down to to like opinions and perspective what? It's, 
the, the change has always just been a personal sore point for me, but hearing you guys discuss it now has definitely given me a new way to think on it, because I hadn't looked at it with that much depth previously. No, but go on, continue, sorry. Th yeah, this is just... I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, this is just a character flaw is what I wanted to add on to it. Like, Wesker's... Like, many people, when they bring up this argument with how his change was so drastic in RE5, uh, some of the writing was also on the wall. Uh, Wesker has always been 100% overconfident. And, and the scene, mm -hmm. I think, that honed it in the most was when he was on the bomber and he told Chris, uh, I should have killed you years ago. This means that all the toying around, all the, you know, shit where he's like, you're my best man, I'm going to let you handle this. He should have done it sooner. So the one true flaw was finally catching up to him with leaving his, like, number one commander back in Star's days, like, alive. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, his best man. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was just a lot of overconfidence talking and also trying to finally envision that world where only gods exist and no one else because he deemed humans inferior. Uh, mm. It's definitely... I, I wouldn't say that it's messy, but it could be hard to follow, but most of the pieces are there if you really just look at the signs and see what's going on. Oh, yeah, I mean... You know what's crazy? Um, you, like you said, the the writing was in the wall already. Like with uh, uh, with Wesker. And if you guys go all the way back, even before, like you know, in the days where he was partnered up with uh William Birkin, when they were still kind of like just regular staff members uh, of Umbrella, that personality of his of trying to like be better, you know, was actually like touched upon with William and how they had the rivalry, right? Because they thought, you know. They thought of, of themselves as superior over the other one. That's why they got pardoned up on, on the first place. So now to see that seed move along decades to finally in 2009 with um, RE5, it, it makes sense in a way. But yeah, I get where like people are saying like that drastic jump of different like ideology from Code Veronica to RE5, you know, how he wants to be a god, right? I mean, I could see how somebody from that kind of person personality then... In a way having that evolution becoming like a megalomaniac you know so it's like nothing satiates this guy he just wants more and more and more eventually it becomes like a world uh, world thing where he just wants to like engulf everything with the Ouroboros so I could see where this kind of started all the way back in the ni um, late 90s and all that until what we see in RE5 I'm I mean definitely... learning your test tube baby and then being like oh yeah I'm gonna one up ya I'm not only going to become a god, I'm going to make the world gods. Fuck you. Like that guy. And he's going to reign over them. <laughs> I'm definitely content to 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 meet like folks halfway, especially with the argument that was brought up a minute ago of him being a very overconfident individual, purely because mm -hmm. uh, Ren did make a very, very good point there. Like, this is Wesker we're talking about. And like, even after Jill pretty much all threw him out of a window. If he'd have really wanted to, he could have climbed back up the side of that building, hopped through the window, and finished Chris off, if he'd have wanted to, without making mm. an effort. But he just didn't. Obviously, we don't see it firsthand, but he obviously just didn't deem any of that worthy, because it's just how he is. So I'm definitely willing to meet people with that he had a complex and a superiority complex. You do see it all the way through, so that's true. Don't um, argue against I'll, that. I'll entertain I'll you just so I can see the hope leave your eyes kind of a thing. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I will also, um, you know, be fair to like Capcom could have done you know, a little bit better job at conveying that though, because um, they didn't do enough on that. Because like, I guess like maybe another material in between, showing him going on the deep end and then meeting Oswald, or maybe have that afterwards. Sure, but like, and once you understand the context at hand, though, like you will see why um like Wesker's change in RA five no does add up from previous. He also yeah. took Jill to fuck with Chris. So once, I mean, cause from what I gather, and we're gonna go into the next question with this, but from what I gather, he always took her body and found out the antibodies were an interesting thing and that he could manipulate that and decide, hey, I'm gonna mind control her as opposed to saying, you know, if she was worthless, then he wouldn't have done that in the first place. But just to get back at his main rival, this is the main reason why he took the body and ran. All right, yeah, from yeah. what I actually remember, it's like he was experimenting the or borrows on her or something. He was doing experiments on her, right? Yep. Now, the reason why she didn't change is because of the T antibodies inside her, right? So that's why he got intrigued by Joe, which is why he kept her around, because of her antibodies. If she didn't have that, she would have been dead, honestly. Yep. Yeah, but also you also make a good point as well. Like, no, he was using her as some form of leverage at some point when they beat again because he knows like it's going to be inevitable. Chris and him are going to meet up again, and they're going to have to show them. So by using mm-hmm. her as a form of leverage to like block him from doing anything, you no, know, too hasty. Smart move in this part. Yep. We can't we can't argue that he's um he's definitely got that much foresight because he's been tying threads together and preparing things over the course of a number of years so he's definitely got the foresight to think that far ahead and think yeah. i need contingencies here so yeah definitely just enough you know, foresight to say no one in their right mind will go into a volcano and punch boulders that's absurd i will be when i will be the victorious one there he can't do anything <laughs> i mean none of them should be alive inside a volcano though really oh well, well, yeah <laughs> like i'm the only one that lives there why are you still standing what's going on yeah but you oh, we also got to take it into account i mean if you're at the Wesker level godhood mode, right? I'm talking about like physical wise. I mean, there really isn't much in the world that could really kind of intrigue you or stimulate you, right? So the only thing I could, it's kind of in a sick way. I mean, he sees Chris as his rival, right? Even though he could probably just punch him and that's it. It'll end the story, right? But just him playing with his food in a way is kind of like in a way is probably like a sadistic way of just a uh, like enjoyment. And then using Jill against Chris is just another form of that enjoyment that he liked. So watching, watching the suffering of a lesser being trying his exactly. best to stop God. But, I mean, also there... in fairness, though, in fairness, real quick, he did also like take a lot of stuff from Wesker, right? Granted, Wesker, in theory, was not going all out, right? Because again, like we saw what happened in the game when he punched that steel, right? Granted, he was on overdose, right? But no, yeah. one good solid hit would be not to kill him, right? But Chris was the only one that was able to take all that and still come back and take him on, yeah. you know. So, like, I think Wesker, in some weird twist of way, had some form of respect for him before he lost his shit. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, yeah, that's true. I mean, Wesker, I mean, he's uh, complimented Chris, even though they were, like, they hated each other. He knew Chris was, like, a formidable guy, you know. He said that he was his best man, right, you know, in the, from the mm-hmm. Stars team. So, but, like I said, I mean, if you get to that godhood point of Wesker in RE5, I mean, the only form of entertainment what you could do is what, like, saturate the world and just like mess with the people you hated the most and who's that person chris redfield and what better way to mess with him is by using jill against him speaking of jill this sort of 
moves into the next question so uh one heavy thing in the marketing was the fact that jill was dead um mm. i remember i'm trying to remember the exact trailer but i just remember everybody talking about it when they showed the gravestone of jill's name on it and everyone mm. was citing this is bullshit there is no way that jill is dead in this game but it was a great marketing tactic because it's like it made you more intrigued to this legacy character supposedly being dead and then i remember mm. the magazine that had chris kneeling over the grave with the flowers and that was yeah. the big shocker so what did everyone think when they first saw that gravestone for the first time okay. i didn't believe um, it I, I'm gonna add one thing though. I'm not too familiar with the marketing because no, at that point I wouldn't know. But no, going yeah, by second hand, yeah. So I I wanted to know about second hand. So I'll let you guys know. Delve into that. It was that and the woman in the tube. From what I remember, people started putting two and two together and trying to correlate this theory: is Jill really alive or dead or being experimented on? Or I seen mm -hmm. people say, is this Sherry Birkin? Which was not true, but that was one no. of the theories. I mean, like, this is, it, I, I, who really believed it when they saw it? I did not. I didn't believe it. No. no I actually did. I was okay. the exception here. I, then again, I was, uh, I was sat there and I saw the gravestone and I, re I remember this. I remember sitting there in the freaking computer lab in school and just seeing the um the the gravestone on like a freaking article that was covering it and i'm like damn it surely not i genuinely bought into it then ironically when obviously we saw her in the game with the mask on it i was just like my something in my brain clicked and i thought mm, probably not probably not dead just like mm. i kind of saw through that because then it's like the obvious factor but I remember as a kid, I did buy into it a bit. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, okay. it's, I'm a... it's marketing, isn't it, basically? I mean, funny enough, it's very similar to what happened with Resident Evil Village and Chris Redfield apparently being the bad guy. It's exactly yeah. the same thing, just in it a is. different, different uh, packaging. Capcom actually, I'm not unfamiliar with this kind of marketing, though, but I want to be fair here, though. Given Resident Evil at the time, I can understand why people would believe it, right? Because you say that character is dead, right? Now you got people excited or anxious and know the concept behind it, right? And then you fool them with the um with the woman inside the tube, right? I think that's actually a good way to fool people, right? It's fine to believe or not, though, but if you say that today, yeah, people will say that, yeah, that's full of shit, right? Because now they've done this bait-and-switch marketing multiple times, right? Yeah. Uh, but like you mentioned with Resident Evil Village, Chris being the bad guy, right? We all know that's bullshit, right? Because no, we know Chris. But no, same time though, like there's a reason why Chris has gone rogue, right? So we need to know the context behind that. So that would have happened to facilitate this kind of yeah. If and another <laughs> game that Capcom did this with actually is um slightly unrelated though was Democrat Four. The yeah, exactly market. with Dante. <laughs> yeah, Dante was made out to be the villain of that story, right? And then once you get the context mm. of what happened, oof, yeah, that makes sense why um he quote unquote going against humanity. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what's funny? There were I remembered I read a couple of like, you know, articles on receptions, like even Reddit that he thought this ploy of pretending to have Jill die and having that tombstone was kinda how do I put it, like a cheap way to try to get people interested in Resident Evil 5. Because people were saying that like, hey, maybe Resident Evil 5 story couldn't just hold up by itself, which I thought it could without like this an unnecessary gut punch. 
kind of video. yeah it's kind of like hey oh my goodness like you know let, let's say you just finished playing resident evil 3 right and next thing you know what res uh, i mean jill valentine is dead now like what happened right that's so, it. i disagree with that notion though because like as long as it's handled properly right, right they can do mm-hmm. the switch right which to their credit they have done it right no mm-hmm. if you have like something okay if you had like a character trait that was thrown out of the loop right and it for the sake of the story or for the sake of marketing and then you realize wait what's going on here i think it can handle mm-hmm. really well like one example that's done it poorly though actually which outside resident evil we reported type 2 the main character of the first game became the villain for no reason he became a cartoon villain in the second game so that's an example of like doing bait and switch horribly wrong whereas hackathon does it you know it leaves it leaves mystery you know ominous around it like what happened to this character that leads up to this path or why he died this isn't that you know I mean, as long as they have a good, you know, reason as to why, like, you know, I mean, if they really did kill Jill Valentine, I mean, I hope they really did a good explanation as to why they killed off this character off screen before even, yeah. you know, I mean, that's something that's that's really important to go um to cover. But I mean, it's, in the end, if you're going to do this whole like, you know, bait and switch thing, as long as you do it properly, I think it's OK, though. Like you guys said, that Capcom seems pretty notorious of doing it over and over. So I don't know how many more times they could try to do this kind of plotline. Yeah, I, games, I don't think because if it happens in the Village DLC where oh, someone's dead or Leon's dead or something like that, the, the first thing is people aren't going to buy it. I think they have done it way too many times where it's like the most hardcore RE fan will be like, you're fucking with me because at this point, uh it's just not going to work anymore i think the only way it will work is if they confirm something like that and then it's like oh shit well now i actually have to play the game to get this intrigue because they're actually going the full they're going the full way they're going they're not meeting you halfway with it or they're not doing it to market and screw with you uh so this i kind of saw through because I think eventually before I saw the gravestone, there was the woman already in the test tube at the end of the Mm. first trailer that they showed when Chris was uh, fighting all those hordes of enemies and everyone was wondering who the hell is that? Like, I have no idea. We just know that she's blonde and that's it. So um, after that, I sort of put two and two together. Like there's a woman in a tube and then there's Jill being dead. And mm. then once the full game came out, it was like, okay, Chris had his PDA of Jill being in the tube and being, you know, in some sort of cryostasis, which I thought was not done the best because I felt as though that illusion of her being alive shouldn't have been done so early in the story. But uh, eventually mm. it came to pass that the crow lady was Jill the entire time. So it was it was nice to see her again, just under a different way, which is being mind controlled yeah as a quick side note and this is once again a failing on my lore but i imagine people in the audience will be you know happy to hear it as well remind me why did she turn blonde and why did her butt grow three sizes that day (laughs) the hair the hair is actually referenced in one of the notes i believe the pigmentation i remember there was a note that like all of her hair turned blonde and they're like why it's Um, loose and probably not very scientific explanation that's given but it tries to masquerade as one it's like stress makes her hair hair the other one i mean like i would probably agree but have you seen resident revelations it's part yeah, of yeah, yeah. 
Like, well, don't, I, I can appreciate a beautiful woman. This is fine, but I'm sitting there like I I had to pull up a picture of like her originally, and then with RE5 and be like, they they added something. Hang on. Okay. Well, to explain though, when she was in cryo sleep though, um, is either the chemicals that was inside the thing or what was happening to her the experiment still it um had an adverse effect on her, which turned her skin more paler. So she's literally white as um as a ghost, and her hair turned blonde. So it literally messed with her body. Yeah, I, I recognize it's, I, I recognize it's probably more to like you said with the marketing, so it's not immediately up oh, there. She is so no. like, you know, there's some mystery to it. No. It adds a bit of stylistic choice, but that always struck me as just like, like but why though? Like, okay, so I think they did want to change her from a design standpoint, but I also will give them the benefit of the doubt for explaining why this is the way it is, because it is a part of our antibodies and some of the mutation that happened after the fact when Wesker mm. was experimenting with her. I, I I do agree. If this was like out of nowhere, I would have said, what the fuck is this? But they actually tried to do a fairly good job at explaining why this is the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Until I got to that note, it felt kind of out of nowhere. And then I'd be like, okay, this is fine. I'm willing to let this go. But in the moment, I'm sitting there like confused, wondering. I mean, why in fairness, though, it's, not, it's not unrealistic. But it's not unrealistic though in the way of Resident Evil though. Like granted though, for her though, for her to have a completely different skin tone, different hair color, sure. But with the fact that when you get experimented on, something is gonna happen to you. It had whatever adverse effect. I mean, it right, makes it more like the guy changes colors. Yeah, yeah, it makes it seem more alien, more unknown, as opposed to like, oh, she looks totally fine. She's just like you saw her, and then she starts doing weird kickflips and stuff. <laughs> and yeah. as far so, as these things, sorry, you go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that's fine, that's fine, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, just just a quick aside, in terms of something as small as skin becoming paler and hair pigmentation changing, that is a very, very mild series of changes compared to the, some of the sort of things we have seen in Resident Evil. And oh, I'm people thinking, turn into bugs and whatnot. Yeah, no, I, I get that, I get that. Like, directly resident evil 6 like simmons has been infected for all of three seconds and he turns into a fucking dinosaur yeah <laughs> yeah that weird okay, puppeteering we'll centaur dinosaur uh yeah there's yes, the been a lot of, boy. there's been a lot the of different man. mutations that have even worse adverse effects as opposed to the hair and the skin oh Correct. it was just one of those things that like is this out of the realm of possibilities no but but, uh. but why <laughs> That, a, that's all side. That's it's just side. kind of there as a convenience. Uh, yeah. As convenient, really. Yeah. An aesthetic and, choice. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Wesker mind. I mean, he kind of wanted to have a motif of like, you know, what he had like kind of blonde hair. You know, he's yeah. a superhuman. Now we got Jill wants to turn her blonde hair, make her superhuman oh, as well. Make her <laughs> like me just to, yeah, just to screw exactly. with Chris that oh, much I more. I mean, yeah. exactly. oh, dude, that's a one way to fuck with somebody. Now I think about it. Because he, yes. yeah, like she has blonde hair, he had blonde hair. Every time you mm -hmm. see her, you see me. That kind of deal. That's, that's what actually. That? <laughs> what was the Batman cartoon where it was like I kidnapped Robin and I made him a miniature Joker and then he like oh, it, oh yeah, yeah 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 I don't remember what it's called but like that kind of freaky like look I permanently ruined what is effectively it's, your son it's not a cartoon it's uh it's the movie you're talking about uh, Return, of the Return of the Joker Return of the Joker I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert on it but I just remember that scene and be like that is some insanely dark twisted shit yeah 
that and I what? have to also voice a little bit of mild criticism because when 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 Jill's ass was mentioned a minute ago, the first thing my brain does is go to the Grinch. But like Jill's ass grew three sizes <laughs> but that day. That's why I made that joke of like it grew three sizes. Like like Max, are you opposed? No, but don't call me out like that. It's rude. We're trying to be realistic here. I mean, she does a lot of squats, man. Not, you see the I'm shit she's doing in the game? Like, mm. that damn, dude. Like, with that kick and power, though? Yeah, I bet that ass is packing up some um, force power. You know? <laughs> but, yes, no, I'm, I'm trying to stay classy. Do I like this? Yes, but let's stay classy here. Yeah, we'll, tr we'll try. <laughs> Trying. Try yeah. to Alright, so, um, any closing <laughs> thoughts there? Because we should actually move on to number Yeah, yeah. To so, number sorry for that aside. Yeah. That ass is fat, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> the legal term is All cake, right. anyways. Yes, dumplings. All right. Uh, so Max P, you want to read off um number two? I have to give you grief every time you say Max. You just call me Max yes. Fed. It's all good. No, no, all right. I'm calling you Max P because it's funny. Oh well, there you go then. All right. The next question. I don't know what number one. Did okay. you play the Gold Edition DLC like Desperate Escape or Lost in Nightmares? If so, how did you feel about them both? Uh, for Lost me, in like Nightmares I said, was amazing. Nope, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, for me, like for me, I actually forgot to play them when I originally did, and I played them last night. I think it was nice to go back into the mansion, see a little bit more about them, um, see some like backstory stuff. The fight with Wesker, I felt a little cheated when I was like, okay, how do I beat this? This is insane. Literally be a coward for three minutes. Oh, okay. Um, it was nice to do some puzzle stuff. It was nice to do that uh loss and nightmares it did feel like a bit of a power trip where it's just like overwhelming numbers figure it out some of it mean, felt cheap but i'd say overall it was a really good time you mean desperate oh, escape. oh yeah i'm sorry i, I got the two yeah. confused yeah nah, you know, it was definitely I, two sides of the corners lost and nightmares being kind of a bit more an homage to the old school and desperate escape just like hits have just a giant load of dudes just go freaking yes, nuts, figure it out so survive uh, you know what? The one thing I actually really like about Desperate Escape, though, it has one unique mechanic that the, no other game mode has, including base game. You can actually discard a weapon that you don't want if you, you want to trade off with another one. Yeah, yeah, you can actually you can actually discard a weapon. You know, I didn't even escape. try to do that. I didn't know that. So yeah, that came came in handy when I don't want this ranking thing like pistol anymore, or if I want don't want my AI partner to have it. So, yeah. so yeah, um, I personally really do. I feel like this is like the pinnacle of honestly resident evil dlc as far as single player is concerned or air quote single player because uh like i said you got two sides of the same coin though it, it it tends to both audiences and you get to play with jill and both of them so it's a win-win honestly yeah you know i'm sorry i might have to counter with uh um re7's dlc because we got a lot of content I mean, yeah, I mean, content-wise, as a whole versus, like, in this moment, is this nice? Yeah, it's fun. You get a bit more of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, I enjoy... That's going to be another discussion. Yeah, I'm talking about individually, like, these two DLC packs, I enjoy more than what Resident Evil 7 had to offer with DLCs. Now, granted, though, there's some really nice ones in there. Like, you know, I do enjoy it. But I just enjoy the overall package of those two more so than what we got in 7. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about quality, not quantity. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Lost in Nightmares is like a little mini RE1 pretty much, right? I mean, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty nice. I mean, good enough like time to play around with it. I mean, you get to play with your friends and all that. And uh, me, I played it. I actually played my first playthrough with it was I played with my best friend. And I, I didn't realize that there was this, uh, was it the hammer axe guy, right? Like you, like uh, there was I don't one know if those are tall, but they're rough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't realize all I heard was like, we, we hear 
hear something like we're in the piano room whatever and you just heard something you're like what was that next thing you know you, you got this like goliath coming after you you know mm-hmm. so uh, it was a, it was a fun time man it, i think it's also it. difficulty based as well because there's a lot of rng factors to go into it so your mm-hmm. playthrough will not always be the same but i think that's mostly difficulty based because i think a professional that you always come upstairs and try to kill me and my partner yeah, oh, yeah, the, the, the both the especially that one. Yeah, if you play it again on professional, there's a lot of extra stuff that gets thrown at you, and it's kind of a bit ugly sometimes. How do you feel about you like no map at the end on professional? That was, oh, oh, that right there put me through the ringer because like I had to, you know, for starters, use an extra couple of brain cells to you know navigate <laughs> and pinpoint where um my, my target is at. So I feel like they, honestly, they did a good job at subverting um all former expectations. And with speaker which rank, I you mentioned that too, because um that room also changes depending on the difficulty as well. On yeah. easy mode, for example, you, you only had to do that one time. On normal, two times, veteran three, and so on. Like so higher you go than red for you. It was bad. Yeah. In professional, they changed their parving. Oh completely. And that terrified me. Like, oh shit, not supposed to be up here. And I got you no know, X. Yeah, you get caught off guard. And it's some really awkward paths they take as well. So Mm-hmm. But I love the challenge for it though, because it honestly forces me to change my strategy than what I'm normally used to. Because I always play on veteran every time I do um awesome nightmares, right? But the one time I actually did it, you no know, going professional, it's a whole new experience. And I honestly, I love it. That's what professional should have been—a new experience, not a bullet sponge, one hit, one kill that thing. That was just mm. thinking that anything to encourage like replayability as opposed to and now we increase their hit points. It's like that's not fun. We want something different. The enemies need to be smarter and you know that kind of a difference in challenge. Yeah, they do they did a great job overall with these two DLCs overall. You've just actually confirmed something for me when I was cause Lost in Nightmares especially is fresh in my mind because it's the very last thing I played last night before um coming on to this. And uh, one, just going to add in that Lost in Nightmares wasn't just a, a good DLC for me. It was my favorite part of the whole Resident Evil 5 package. I genuinely enjoyed it a great deal because you've got a lot more focus on, you know, solving a few little puzzles, finding items, computer passwords. That that There was a really strong appeal to me for that kind of gameplay element there. And the mm. thing that you confirmed is that, yeah, indeed, they do add more things at high difficulties because I, as I explained earlier, uh, muscular conditions, so hand reactions aren't as quick. So I keep things on normal for the just in case it's QTEs. And the bit where you're in the underground segment and you've got to drop the spikes on top of the uh, big creatures, I noticed that after getting the, the, the third crank, the green one, I didn't have to do any more, but I believe there was a violet crank left over on an upper level, and I'm like, well, I didn't have to use that. So I'm assuming you'll have to do that in, in, an, in a high difficulty, won't you? Yeah, you had to do, do it more. four times in yeah. veterans, so you needed all of it. Mm-hmm. So that that has been confirmed to me, and I I did like the the whole the whole package there. Just like desperate escape, uh, mildly frustrating at times, but Lost in Nightmares itself was excellent. And I do just want to mention one little thing with a uh, desperate escape. I, I I had a moment, a, a reactionary moment. The the hold your ground segment on the roof, where it's like, okay, we're we're doing all right here. 
we're in we're in position and then just a minigun guy walks out of the yeah. elevator with a big shit-eating grin and he's like what's up motherfuckers and i'm just like no <laughs> no uh, go away fun wait, fact wait, i'm a, a sorry what's a reaper comes up there like that can actually happen a a reaper. Of, oh god i've not yeah, had that i love god. and hate that segment because it's so rng to a t that you can actually have it where the, the enemy show up or the game just bug out. That's probably just a bug, right? Or you can have like a bunch of heavy enemies. Or chainsaws. Yeah, chainsaws yeah, I, like I chainsaws and miniguns. But yeah, it was so random that it literally boggles my mind on how who made this. <laughs> it was pretty great though, like you said, when the minigun guy came out and said, "Fun fact: I'm the landlord here, and you're trespassing." It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is gonna be bad. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you know this young lady in the leotard outfit. You're like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, escape was was pretty escape professional is like one of the hardest sections i think of resident evil ever it is yeah pretty, for sure pretty brutal uh i still have been in super unfit yeah well i mean like i've been in enough times and um we also had a crap with my base hang on only run we also went and did desperate escape with the person i was playing it with oh my goodness that rooftop section was was something else like running that with just with handguns and that's it was pretty Ugh. pretty insane we did do it after about i think about 80 90 minutes of trying we eventually beat the rooftop uh, it was pretty pretty insane good times though yeah Can I just also give a little bit of credit a little bit of credit to doug the helicopter pilot uh i just he's, wanted uh, to give on the bbc over the uh the radio for like um a few oh, minutes and then you, you see him for like 30 seconds but in those 30 seconds he displays more fun and character and energy than half of resident evil 6's cast do in about six hours so he's great <laughs> he, he i mean he has a gold tooth i guess uh, yeah. i mean we don't know anything about doug so we can assume that he has like a penthouse on like the hawaii's and he just does this as like a job on the side. I mean, we can make <laughs> anything we want, but Doug, there's a lot to say about having a sense of humor, even in the worst situation possible. So yeah, yeah he's nice and upbeat. He's upbeat and positive. How can you hate that? If I'm not laughing, I will start crying. So let's go, everyone. Yeah. And he wanted Jill in this penthouse until he was uh, unfortunately killed by an RPG. So. Um, yeah. yeah. Rip dog. Okay. Somehow well, in his will it says it belongs to Jill. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. Jill still thinks he could have saved him. Uh, just yeah. the comical gold to falling out after he was blown up. I just I literally just could not stop laughing for like five minutes. It was it was absurd, especially Josh as well. After he's just like Doug would have done it better. I'm like, it's like come on, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Overall, though, great DLC. I really like both of them, to be honest, for differing reasons. Yeah, they're both very strong entries for, for DLCs. Into, there isn't that many, I suppose, in the Resident Evil series, but they're both... They, they, they appeal to different people, but there's a lot to get out of both of them, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's like what was brought up earlier. There are two extremes. Like, one is completely a puzzle, and one's completely combat, so... A massacre. You know, if you hate one, you're probably gonna like the other. <laughs> right. I know, since we're done here, I guess, right? Uh, Shadow, you want to read number 11? Yeah, we shall do. So, did you play Mercenaries, uh, Mercenaries United, or any other versus modes that we could get as unlockables? And how do we feel about the post-game uh, post content of Resident Evil 5 as a whole? 
Hmm. the PvP sucks as usual, but Mercenaries is probably the best Mercenaries in the series. Yeah, yeah. Mercenaries um, reunion, United, whatever you want to call it, is is a lot of fun. Uh, the current um, iteration. Yeah, it's 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 great entertainment. Um, some of the characters, especially in the reunion version, are like completely absurdly overpowered. But it's it's like mm-hmm. how can you it? Barry Burton, especially, is just ridiculously good. Um, even Rebecca and her friends are exceptionally strong as well. But it's just it's not about like it's about having a lot of fun and a lot of entertainment, especially with a friend and just you know having. It's just like, what the hell? You know, go balls in. And that's exactly what they did. A Mercenaries was great. Have you, have you done No Mercy too? I might add. Uh, what one's this for? for what's this? Six, no or? Mercy is like oh, no. more enemies. It's also uh, a five. Yeah, no Mercy is in both five and six, though. But in um, five, for some godforsaken reason, you cannot play it online. It's only a solo. Thing. I have no memory of this being in five. Um, yeah, it's in um, the PC version and the PS4 Xbox One version. That'd be why I never played any of those. Okay, okay, well, that makes sense. So, yeah, it's in those versions of the games, and, uh, well, actually, yeah, I don't think it's in the PC version, only PS4. Xbox. Yeah, it wouldn't have been PC. But, uh, no Mercy? But, um, okay, it's not, but Resident Evil 6 wrong. had it on, I want to say PC, but it definitely had it on PS4. Xbox it was, one, it was on PS4 online. Yeah. Yeah, and you can play with friends. Uh, I mean, hmm, I thought the, uh, multiple modes that you could unlock was good you know uh it really stepped this is where the game stepped up mercenaries because now you had that mode for mario 4 but you could do it with a partner so it had it, it added like a a whole new dimension to the co-op system and how you could play mercenaries i actually did enjoy the pvp for what it was i i like playing survivors but i will admit granted uh the enemies could pick up power weapons, shotguns, and all this st- stuff. You had to go around and like find it, uh, RPGs. But once you found the spawn points, it was pretty, you know, cool to uh, get a one up on your enemies online. And I played like all the survivors matches so far, so I do have the gold trophy. Uh, I also like Slayers as well, where it's like it's not really about killing the teammates; it's about killing the bigger enemies and scoring the most points from there. You can kill other teammates and all that stuff, but it's all about getting those big like point spreads for for the kills um i think though that there there should have been a little bit more to it i i did like that re6 added a lot more to the versus modes and the competitive modes with the monsters whereas this one it was like very experimental and i still appreciate them for trying uh the reunion was great also for adding in all the new characters like rebecca obviously barry and all the variations of christian sheva you could use uh with either fairy tale or i think there was the one where chris looks like a shirtless mad max uh, i i know that was part of the costume set as well so that was that was pretty cool to go back and revisit the game in that way mercenaries is just some good like mindless fun and i really enjoyed the iteration that we got in five the uh the reunion version i um had a mess around with it the other day because for me it's just an excuse since i like that game's combat system so much to just go around punching things as chris for about five minutes to the point where i got so much gratification that a few weeks back i just made a two minute montage of chris punching people in all the different costumes because I'm a very sad individual. So I I did enjoy <laughs> yeah, it. Fun. I can't speak for any of the versus stuff though, because I, I really 
don't play any of the multiplayer stuff as far as Resident Evil goes. When you guys were explaining earlier, those, like, people that only play it for the single-player experience and don't touch anything multiplayer, that's me, but I, I enjoyed Mercenaries for what it was, so, yeah, there's my take. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest, I'm kind of in the same boat. I did very little with, like, Mercenaries and Reunion and Versus and everything, but it is, especially with Resident Evil games, Anything in my mind that can encourage replayability, having more fun in that world, having more fun in that mechanics, and then the uh, the point system for buying all the different costumes and all the different models and things. I love that shit. Anything to encourage different play styles and different objectives, I think, is awesome. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, I guess we're done with this one? Yep. Oh, another big question, which I'm probably not going to add a whole lot because my knowledge is still kind of limited to this one, but I'm ready to read this one off. Uh, sure, no problem. Give me a second. Are you aware of information from Resident Evil 4.5, things like Chris reacting to sunlight as a gameplay mechanic, and even the reappearance of Barry Burton in the main game? How do you feel about the cut concepts within RE5? So, oh, I- oh. You want to go the hydration shit? Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that's gone. <laughs> honestly, that, that's honestly kind of stupid mechanic. Only because like I don't want to micromanage, you know, me swinging the death on top of me healing and fighting enemies. Because God forbid when um you had a heat stroke in the middle of a fight, then enemy just kills you, right? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. this, this is like Resident time. Evil. This isn't Far Cry. Yeah, I love yeah, the yeah, idea though of like. I love the idea, though, of you being swarmed by, like, zombies and stuff and being like, now, hang on a second. You very slowly take out, like, your water bottle. You're just sipping it as you're pointing at them. Like, no, hang on. Hang, hang on. I'm thirsty. Okay, now let's continue. Uh, there's Hi. a few interesting things in here. Uh, I, I do like the fact that they originally had uh, Jill as a partner, apparently. Uh, and you can play as her, but the big draws obviously near the end of the game. Supposedly, you're gonna play with Barry and him and Chris are gonna do this whole team up, and that seemed like an experience where I, I don't see why something like that was cut. Uh, they also had a bigger fight with like multiple El Gigantes, but I also get why they cut this out of the game because uh for this section in particular it's like that would have killed the frame rate let's be honest that would have yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah another third mm-hmm. section and... it would be revisited in the following game it should be noted that is oh that's yeah. right you're i didn't even think of that yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah they they did this one they did the next one uh no correct me if i'm wrong though but when we're supposed to have three companions which shovel which you got captured at one point it was a jail and then barry right as co-op partners and so if co-op was still going to be a thing yeah that, there was a lot of ideas um by the looks of it they were gonna it goes show that they had a lot of options of what they wanted to do with five before they eventually settled on what they had i think <laughs> going with just one partner throughout i think is kind of better ultimately in the end instead of having one that kind of chips and changes as you go and build uh, attachment I mean, to get consistency. Yeah, exactly. Even if it is Sheva. And some people just refuse to on like a moral a moral level just to do that. They just felt like they couldn't they couldn't bring themselves to do it, even though she wasn't that bad. I mean, um, sure though, but like from a game perspective though, nothing realistically would change aside from maybe like the melee combat stuff, but like the core gameplay is going to stay the same with each character, right? And I'm pretty sure people will be more inclined to have Jill on the side because you know, we miss Jill. It's been a while. Yeah. No, it would have been nice to have more playable characters. Ren just posted this on the Discord, the picture of the Ouroboros train. 
like okay i haven't fully read through this article that art looks sick and i love yeah. that and then looks yeah which cool. kind of came back in six and wasn't there mm. like okay correct me if i'm wrong the final fight of was it re2 remake where like eventually has something that's not a million miles yeah. away from this Right, like, I'm mostly just looking at the art and my mind's going to, like, Eldritch Horror and I'm like, fuck yeah, that looks awesome. But, um, they don't I could it. definitely see why a lot of this stuff, like, okay, I haven't fully read through it. Some of this stuff, especially, like, Heatstroke, like you said, it's like, eh, for the best. I'm very ill-informed about a lot of these features. In fact, I didn't really know about the vast majority of it if any of it until i saw this in the uh, the brief for the stream earlier same, but just linking same. into things that were cut and changed there is one thing i was made aware of am i the only one that heard in terms of stuff that didn't make it into the game that sherry birkin was gonna make an appearance and she was cut i briefly I saw while skimming otherwise i mean no idea Actually, I'm glad. If that's true, though. I'm glad she wasn't in the game, though, because, well, for starters, so, though, like, RE5 is, like, no, pretty much love letter to RE1 and technically 3, right? So she would be so out of place, you know? So yeah. I'll talk her be, not being it. I'm just wondering, because I'm, I'm sure I heard, like, a few years back, I can't recall exactly where, that she would have played a role in the game originally, if, if not more linked into Jill's side of things, but she was, like, cut out in, like, the early to mid-stage of development, so... That's just I mean, there were rumors that she was supposed to be, you know, the blonde woman in the marketing material, right? Yeah, she was well, yeah. So that, that part really, like, overlapped or crossed over at some point, right? But there's nothing definitive locking that down, as far as we can tell. When you say the... I'm going? just going to say, quickly. When you, um, when you say the blonde woman in the promotional material, do you mean the, the woman that gets dragged off that Chris no. and Sheva have to no, say no, early no. on? No. Okay. Okay. Carry on, carry on. Um, yeah, yeah he's mentioning the uh, woman in the test tube, which was... It turned out later to be Jill. Uh, so there is a lot of interesting stuff here. I'm going to leave the article is from rely on horror. That's going to be in the description below for this podcast. Uh, but essentially they were trying things like more zombie type creatures. They were also going to have the idea where Chris was by himself at one point in the game before co-op actually happened. So that was cool. I think they sort of tried that in the E3 trailer, the initial one that they first showed also with the dehydration mechanic. Uh, there was going to be tyrants in the game or tyrant boss Ooh. battle, which would have been another awesome thing. And then there's like some weird omissions that i'm kind of glad that were on the cutting room floor like apparently jill stabbed wesker's eye out with a knife and he was going to have a glass eye uh sometime in the game which would have been stupid because we already know that wesker has regenerating powers so why wouldn't that grow back that's kind of weird um he's jj confirmed, he's JJ confirmed. <laughs> He'd yeah. want to hold on to the glass eye until he met Jill again and then let her regenerate to pop it out just to fuck with her. <laughs> like, look what I could do. Just these eyeballs are falling out of his head. Let's say Wesker, eye patch, beret. Like, I could dig it. Um, th they also had like two interesting things, like, real quick. Uh, 
we mentioned that the merchant was going to be back in this version and they also said that you had the capability of stealing the merchant's weapons i'm not sure what the consequences would be uh actually i see it right here they said if you try to steal the weapons they would close the shops for the future merchants and you basically would get like sort of flagged down from that and I don't know how I feel about that. Like I would try to pull off a gun and then all of a sudden I can't buy any more guns. That'd be crazy. Okay. As fun as sound though, sure. that right there is super mechanic because uh, what if you did it by accident or whatever the case may be, right? You cut yourself and right, right? It should be I'm just least sure. for that merchant alone, you know? Yeah, for I'm that. pretty sure if you steal from the merchant, your punishment is you're going to hell because that's yes. a cardinal sin. Yeah, like, how fucking dare you? Yeah, I mean, it's bad enough, like what you're doing, Norman, but you haven't, you feel compelled to steal from the one person willing to help you in this Yeah, the one that is pure of heart. Like, like your no, soul, straight to the boiler room. Your soul is damned and cast to the fire, and Sharon will be waiting for you. Like, you yes. know, you deserve it. Um, you will be in a we'll give you a wave as you go even deeper. There's also a redesign of Excella, so I'm going to post this in the chat. She looks like she's a brunette and she has like a different dress, so it's a little bit more hotter. I prefer than... the concept. Um, yeah, I prefer her original Ooh. outfit than what we got in the final game, honestly. It looks... Now, I know she's supposed to be like this stereotypical sexy you know, type you know, woman, right? But this looks far more practical than wearing that um, dress she was wearing, you know? Yep. That I know it sounds weird, it's even more practicality, but I feel like that's more a safer bet to wear in. Say. It looked like it was gonna go away at a slight breeze. Like I remember watching it, just like please, a jacket, something. Yeah, like a nip slip could happen at any given point. That kind of deal, you know. So I'm like, maybe that was the point. <laughs> I feel like aesthetically, I like I, I just room. like that I've done nothing. <laughs> I, I, I want to leave. Like, I, exactly I, though, like I prefer you no know, the original concept. They should honestly just stuck with it. A nip slip. I mean, maybe it's like it looks too similar to some of Ada's outfits. That's me spitballing. No, uh, no. not really. Actually, you know, the whole style of it, you know, is far off base from what Ada normally wears. I guess, yeah. I stand by exactly what I just said in the Discord. I'd hit that. I'm standing by. Yeah, it. I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, earlier, we're trying to be classy here. We're doing our best. I'm I'm the one dragging it down. I apologize, listeners. It's fine. Blame blame. Yeah, yeah, I, the first. I, I did nothing. I'll just convey the information. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one, one one thing this is I hard wanna... news you come here for. <laughs> yeah. One thing I do want to reiterate as well from earlier. I want to double down on a point that was made. I am I am very glad that something like the dehydration mechanic was dropped because that game was very QTE heavy. Can you imagine if you'd have been on the like the boat segment with Josh and then all of a sudden you just get another pipe and then you're dying of dehydration and have to drink out your canteen while there's a QTE coming. That would have um yeah, I mean, you have to like you have to point at everyone, do the scene from the Incredibles and say like I'm thirsty, all of you hold your horses. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. yeah. Mm. They also say one more thing in here. Apparently uh Silver has embodied the role of Wesker because there was going to be a Wesker Excella sex scene and that was cut down. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that happened. I'm good. There is yeah, that's fine. Yo, man, he might give her the global power of backhanded her in the bedroom. <laughs> okay, no, yeah. knowing Wesker, though, if she'd be like, yes, I'm into this. This is going to be awesome. I'll be your queen. Yes, daddy. Like, 
she would explode in that moment into Ouroboros. He'd be like, eh, oh, well. uh, this podcast. Oh, okay, is that's something that is He's offering her the complete global saturation. This mm. podcast is sponsored by Brazzers. Yes. <laughs> but, like, just, just knowing Wesker, be like, all right, sure, you want some of this? Here you go. Then she would just die immediately. Wait, 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 hold on. I just, I, I'm sorry. I just came back. What, what's going on here? Nah, don't worry about uh, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry about it. Good. Good. No, no, it's, all, it's definitely uh, not Moving on. Go, on okay. go away for about another three minutes and you should be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's fanfic out there. I don't want it to be, but I know it is. I started this. I apologize. No, I don't. I'm lying. Uh, oh, let's, let's move on to the final question. So, um, okay. what is your personal score and ranking for Resident Evil 5? So, basically, uh, how would you rank the game for your own personal score from 1 to 10? And how would you rank it for, like, against, like, the rest of the series? So, where would you put it on your list? Uh, I sure won't go first, though, because uh, I probably have, like, quote unquote controversial behind this though. But no, for personal enjoyment though, I always rate Resident Evil 5 as honestly it also goes with age at 10. Cause I enjoy the game so much. I play it so much. It's like the game that I just cannot stop playing whenever I get my hands on it, right? But um also it's also one of my top five favorite RE RE games of all time. You know, right next to the original three, remake two, all that jazz. But yeah, it's a very, very personal favorite of mine. I hold it dearly because no it just honestly, a fantastic game. It's well crafted, though. I wish it get more recognition. I would honestly say uh, nine out of ten. Uh, I will put it also on top five. Very, very good action horror experience, and definitely uh, some of the additions they were adding with how to integrate uh, certain systems and and not giving the hydration mechanic in there. Uh, I, I think it ended out for the better. I think they definitely tried their best with partner systems and mercs and co-op. And overall, it's just a solid follow-up from RE4. If I were to think any other direction as to how they would do a sequel, uh, I think this one hit the nail on the head for expanding the conventions that the last game made. I'd, I'd probably say eight and a half, personally. I think it's a very, very strong title. There's a lot to enjoy. It's a better experience with a friend than doing it yourself. It's totally fine by yourself. It's totally serviceable. But you want to try and do it with someone else, preferably. Um, I do think that it's... I don't know. There, there are things you can pick holes at a little bit here and there, and like some sections of the game are far stronger than some other sections, uh, as we've mentioned about, so... It would be unfair to to ignore stuff like the turret stuff and just like we have to. That just doesn't really work and whatever else. But it's fairly minor. Um, you know, the plot's pretty decent if it's a little bit obvious what's going on at times. Um, and again, some of it you're gonna like. Like you might actually enjoy Irving and think he's kind of quirky. You might just think he's an annoying run and just want to get past that part of the game as soon as possible. You know, your mileage is gonna vary there. But I, I think eight and a half is pretty pretty solid for this game. This is probably where I'm going to end up being a, a touch on the slightly more controversial side. I, I, I'll, I'll start by giving some preface of what I gave it when I made my tier list for all the games. I gave, I, I, no, I, gave it a, I gave it a C. It's definitely been upgraded to a C plus now in, in terms of like what it offers. And from what would have been a seven, I'd now say is a solid seven and a half. I really solidly enjoy what it offers 
I just always, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I do have a more predisposed bias to the more traditional horror entries. And there are some moments where five is really, really solid. And then some moments where I just feel like it could do to take a foot off the gas pedal a bit and have a slightly quiet moment here and there, like four did. Or was very heavily action, but it always had those quiet moments in between. I know five's not like designed fundamentally to be that way, but it's it's a matter of personal preference. I'd say it's solid seven and a half. It's still a really good entry. Just could do to be a touch more chill at times, but that's just me. I, I'm happy with it. I'm happy. Okay, that's actually a great take. I agree with you completely. Like a hundred percent. I mean, I would rank this initially like around a 7 out of 10. Just a solid game, you know, mm. good mm. Resident Evil title. Um, the thing that would make this like a, almost like 8, 8.5 is the fact that there's just so much lore behind this title that I just delved into it. It's amazing. I, I absolutely loved it. But as you said, I mean, mm. it's just pure adrenaline mode from the start. And sometimes less is more right you just want to be like hey you know what i just want to immerse myself kind of like you know digest everything that's going on you know especially the amount of lore that's being thrown at you absolutely so, um, yeah. yeah and the fact that i leaned because i started with the original resident evil 2 so i already had the predisposition of wanting more of the kind of slow survival horror kind of like you know style mm -hmm. so playing this game i mean it wasn't completely my taste, but overall, I mean, it's a absolutely solid Resident Evil game, and it's really, really fun if you play with a friend. It's really, really fun, but horror-wise, completely out of it. Like, I just, I don't find it that scary, but like I said, it's fun. You're going to have a great time. Solid lore behind it. Good game overall. Mm -hmm. You know something though, like you guys mentioned that you had a pretty um like bias towards horror or whatnot. Technically speaking, so did I, because I actually started with Resident Evil Three though. But I guess I grew up in a way where no, I don't. I'm not picky when it comes to let's say Ari. No, as long as the That's game is terrible. good, no, no, mm -hmm. like it could be. Uh, I wouldn't say any sad though, as long as it's no respectable to what makes Resident Evil you no know, for the most part Resident Evil. I guess whatever. No, as long as it's respectable, like I can play you no know, action Resident Evil or horror uh, Resident Evil. So for me, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you first. Go ahead. So for me, I'm gonna be honest. I'm I've always been really really bad at like rank these games and how you like them, especially because I play them all one right after the other. So it's hard for me to pick out one game and compare them. To me, I always look at it as like a group, as one series, kind of a thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the cop-out and give it a Shiva out of 10. Because I was endlessly warned about Shiva. I was told Shiva's awful. I was told she's, you know, the, she will be your biggest threat. But honestly, she was a lot of fun. She worked together well. The combat was smooth. Working, the working was great. But um, by virtue of there being a buddy, by virtue of it being cooperative, a lot of the horror was lost because you were not alone anymore. But I think that added to it a lot. There was still lots of plenty of scary moments. Sure, I was sometimes annoyed by like quick time events and things. But yeah, from a lore perspective, from just like a good solid combat, I still think this is a wonderful game. I'm glad. I'm definitely glad all the people in chat who are like, ah, oh, you're going to hate it when you get to RE5. I'm glad they're wrong because I really, really enjoyed it. 
I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I have to kind of change my score. I'm going to move this from a solid 8 to a 10 out of 10 just because of that boulder portion of the game. <laughs> the boulder was hype. Oh, it was extremely hype. I, I, I loved I, I, it. I totally this, forgot. I'm, this, I'm this sorry, Chris. Was boulder out of 10. Out, free boulder. out. <laughs> yeah, 10 yeah. out of 10 boulders. Right and there. now... 10 boulders out of 10 boulders. There you go. go. There you I go. That's a nice boulder. Oh, God. If well, I were I'll to say a favorite I'll moments, Shiva out of ten. Yeah, if, if I, you like Shiva, you'll like the game. Just as an honorable mention, if I were to say favorite moments, is that punching the rock? I, I don't think it gets any better than that because it's so unbelievable. But your mind is like he's continuing to punch it. He actually moved it. What the fuck? That's the first thing that I say. So my favorite moment in the game is definitely that. It gets so out of hand. Well, I, I remember, even <laughs> though you know it's coming, you know it's coming. I'm sat there finishing the, the main game last night before I moved on to the DLC. Boulder time's coming. Wesker's right behind us and the adrenaline's kicking in. And I'm like, I'm not even like saying Chris. I'm on like, you know, like given name basis here. I'm like, Christopher, punch the fucking thing. Punch it. That's right. Yeet the bastard. Go on. I got really excited. Got yeah, there's excited. a lot of me. There's a lot of me going like, let's fucking go! It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you guys, did any of you guys actually mess up on that boulder portion? Yes. I have. Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yes. Okay, I'm not the only one there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I will I will not pretend for a second to be perfect at games. I screwed up all, all the way there. Well, also, oh. okay, side note, I went into that final boss fight with very little ammo, so I got really acquainted with those hooks and those knives. Oh. <laughs> it, was, no. it was bad. <laughs> Oh, oh, <laughs> Alright, um, anyone else? There, yeah. everyone? Uh, I kind of zoned out for a second. <laughs> no, I, th I think that's, that's it. Fine. Everyone else was reasonable, gave numbers, and I used a character instead. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Alright, good, good, good. Alright, so, uh, in that case, then, um, I guess we can start doing outros. Um, like Shadow, we can see you. Yeah, uh, you enjoyed everyone. You can find me over on YouTube, also over on Twitch at black underscore shadow underscore. 993 because someone still beat me to it i still have not located them and broke their legs i will get them one day <laughs> all right um i don't know all right well i'm primarily on youtube um like i said in the beginning of the video i do mostly resident evil lore content uh kind of Lately, long style, 20 minute, 25 minute style videos. If you guys really want really detailed, you know, lore analysis and come check me out. It's Hey Deva, H-E-Y space D-E-V-U-H on YouTube. All right. Max P. P. Uh, I'm still going to hunt you down for continually saying that. Um, <laughs> as I said at the beginning, my name is Max, also knows what Ectro. I focus on being a variety streamer on twitch.tv slash Lordectro. We are almost done with the Resident Evil franchise series, finishes, finishing off with Village, and almost done with Elden Ring. So, looking to do some new things. We're thinking of the Metroid as the next franchise series. But, uh, yeah, you can catch me there. Alright, alright. Silver Gaming Network? Alrighty, yeah. You can find me on youtube at silver gaming network or twitter at silver gaming zero one we stream every wednesday and saturday night and currently we are just going through a ton of the resident evil games again like we often do so join us there have some fun have fun with our community thank you all right all right renegade how 
okay you can find me on youtube at renegade operative you can find me on twitch at renegade underscore operative uh currently i am just going to be working on the re5 podcast and i'm going to try to get the jameson price interview up i know a lot of people have been asking for it but yes i i am working on it i've been busy i've been a busy boy uh and then after this uh i'm gonna go back to eternal darkness and let's play stuff and uh maybe more reviews on the channel so i'm gonna be busy with that too all right all right and last but not least you can find me on twitter at mortal brendel switch at sir brendel um youtube's a work in progress everything else is not even in business uh once again thank you all who sat here or just himself run out don't listen to us whatever time it is for you whether you day evening night you know whatever same thing uh yeah thanks for listening uh have a blessed you know time of day for you and stay safe out there all right now mr uh, pushy more about gonna, yeah mr pushy's gonna put his dick in a volcano and there you go <laughs> thanks for li- thanks for listening to us you know go on about endless things in the worst, yeah. worst way ever if i could talk yeah, correctly uh, farewell you fine people farewell hmm.